This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. What a day to be an American! I hope everybody had a delightful Independence Day. Uh, I'll give you some of my highlights. As far as I'm concerned, uh, one of the many great things about Independence Day every year is not only the fact that we get to celebrate America, it's not only the fact that a lot of people get a day off, it's not only the fact that there are fireworks and revelry and barbecues, but It is the fact that every year, July 4th, is now home to one of the most impressive athletic competitions in the world. Bigger than the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Stanley Cup Finals, the Final Four, and WrestleMania combined. The granddaddy of them all, the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest, continues more than a century after it began. Now, this has gone, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but this has gone from being essentially a carnival sideshow that would they pluck whoever was on the boardwalk somewhere to a mammoth event with a huge crowd, an international audience on ESPN, and obviously America's champion, the man that brought the, brought the mustard-colored yellow belt of supremacy back to the United States after years of Japanese domination, led by two incredible Japanese eaters, the one that's better known as Takaro Kobayashi, is Joey Chestnut. And the thing that makes this contest really worth watching is the introductions from George Shea. George Shea is, he's a friend of mine, but he's the head of Major League Eating, he and his brother. If you watched this on ESPN, his brother Richard Shea did the color commentary along with a sports analyst. George Shea is probably the greatest wordsmith that I've ever met. If you doubt me, listen to this incredible introduction of Joey Chestnut as Joey Chestnut came to the stage. Now, understand, Joey Chestnut's on crutches. He's in a cast because of a tendon tear or something. So Joey Chestnut was almost airlifted to the stage in this weird elevated platform. It reminded me of, you know, Ben Franklin, who was one of the delegates to the Second Continental Congress. He suffered from terrible gout during the Second Continental Congress, and then again when he was a delegate to the Constitutional Convention. And you know what he did? He had female prisoners carry him on like a rickshaw-type device. Uh, not really a rickshaw. I don't know what you'd call it. Those things that you, that everyone holds one corner. They'd carry him on basically a floating bed. That's what this incredible sight of Joey Chestnut ascending, the greatest athlete perhaps of all time, as George Shea gave this patented introduction. There will be a day that is the end. The collapse of time and all that stood within it. A day of nothing, of no one, of nowhere. But that day is not today. Today we burn bright. Today we blind the earth with our desire. And while it is still ours, 
We will bend history to witness this moment, to witness this man. The humble consequence of carbon, the fleeting spray of life turned diamond by the sun, forever suspended in that instant, indifferent to the gods, for he does not envy their power, he will not plead their pardon, he will curse and spit and sneer and shout his name at the heavens. I am the shining ark of humanity, yield to my dominion. And if we must compete for our place within existence, we submit as our champion, the champion of the world, of now and of always, of the air, of the fire, of the sea, of the land, of the free! Ladies and gentlemen, the Nathan's famous 4th of July champion of the world, I have to tell you, that introduction alone is worth watching the contest. He had a lot of other good introductions as well, and I watched them all, and they're all great. But there's nothing like the introduction that George Shea does for Joey Chestnut. It really, I have to say, I know this may sound corny to some people, it made me so proud to be an American to see the greatest athlete in the world today, given his proper due, or to use the competitive eating vernacular, his just desserts, as uh, a guy that is a champion of all men. Uh, I mean, you take a guy whose contributions to the sport rival Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan, and Muhammad Ali combined, and it's Joey Chestnut. It's absolutely incredible. So, Uh, Last year, Joey Chestnut set a record. He did 76 hot dogs and buns in only 10 minutes. This year, he fell a little bit short of that, but we'll get into why in just a moment. He still won. No one was even close. He did, I think, about 63 HDB. An incredible, incredible contest. Here's George Shea with the call. And now, the 15-time champion of the world with 63 Nathan's famous hot dogs and buns. Look on his works, ye mighty and despair, for he has surpassed the kings of Egypt, and the rock on which he stands is not a rock. It is the United States of America. With 63 Nathan's famous hot dogs and buns for his 15th championship, So what was interesting, though, is my wife and I were watching the contest. And by the way, I want to give a shout out as well to Mickey Sudo, the female champion. And uh, she's a great competitor as well. And I think it's a real shame that they don't carry the women's contest live on ESPN as well and only do the men's contest. I mean, I don't know where all these women's rights groups and these gender discrimination groups are on this the women's contest should be aired live on television, just like the men's contest. By the way, you're free to disagree. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. I will say, though, 
uh, my wife and I are watching the contest, and we see Joey Chestnut. Initially, it was pretty close. His uh, second and third competitors were keeping it close, and then he just pulled away. I'd say at about the four- or five-minute mark, it was no longer even competitive. But there's a guy with a Stormtrooper mask behind Joey Chestnut. And, like, from Star Wars. Stormtrooper from Star Wars. You know those white-helmeted guys that uh, get get shot with the blasters, and, they, you know, they, they all die, and they speak in sort of a mechanical tone. And he was standing behind Joey Chestnut, and he's holding a sign. I couldn't read the sign, but my wife remarks to me, says, what's that guy doing there? Is he supposed to be there? Is that part of the contest? Sure enough, the answer was no. A police officer comes and arrests this guy, slaps him in handcuffs um, right in the middle of the contest. So I didn't think of it, anything of it. Okay, some weird protester he's got a cause to promote. What I did not realize is that ESPN censored the real action that took place during this contest. Have you heard about this? So Joey Chestnut, the world hot dog eating champion, grappled himself with an additional protester. There was a guy that came um, with a Darth Vader mask on. They're sticking with the Star Wars theme, holding a sign that says, Expose Smithfield's Death Star. So Joey Chestnut, while he's on while he's on crutches and in the cast, while he's dominating this 10-minute hot dog eating competition, he puts this guy, this other Darth Vader-looking guy, in a headlock. In a headlock in the middle of the contest, and he still wins. Now, if that is not if that's not the heart of a champion, I don't know what is. So now I recognize that they don't sporting events, whether we're talking baseball or really any sporting event, they don't like to show the protesters on TV or show people running out on the field because they don't want to encourage that sort of behavior. I get that. It's the same reason that I don't really I don't mention the names of mass shooters because I don't want some person thinking that they're going to get famous by becoming a, um, you know, becoming a protester or being a disruptor. But I have to tell you, I do wish that ESPN, if they felt that it was inappropriate to show it, I do wish the announcers would have filled people in on what's going on because there was no mention of it, no visual of it. And to me, it makes Joey Chestnut's win that much more impressive that he was able to put this protester in a headlock, wait for the pro- police to detain him, and still keep eating at the pace that he was in. So um, chunks of meat and breadcrumb sprayed in every direction as these professional eaters scoffed down the hot dogs and buns. But um, you had Chestnut, who was shoved aside from his plate in front of over a 1,000 fans by this guy in this Darth Vader mask, Sign touting animal rights protester, and he didn't take the impediment lying down. With a fistful of francs in one hand, Chestnut caught the protester in a chokehold before shoving him to the ground. And without missing a beat, the reigning champion went right back to guzzling Frankfurters in his quest to beat the world record. He did not beat the world record, but I think this is great. I think it's incredibly important that people are aware of what he did during the contest. I'm curious, do you agree with me that ESPN, in their telecast of this, they should have either 
shown what was going on, because that's the beauty of live television is you're supposed to see what's going on, or at the very least, they should have explained what was going on. What do you think? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. So I am an animal rights guy, just so you're aware. And this animal activist group, Direct Action Everywhere, tweeted that the disrupting of the contest was in protest of Smithfield Foods, which is Nathan's pork supplier. Nathan's, by the way, gives away, uh, as part of this contest, 100,000 frankfurters to local food banks to help people that are hungry. I will say this. I get where they're coming from. Look, hot dogs are terrible for you, and there's a lot of serious questions of how hot dogs are produced. That being said... I don't think this is the right venue to be doing that. People are there to have a good time. People are there. They're enjoying themselves. People are aware that hot dogs, how they're created, I think most people are. There's no need for this guy, these people, direct action everywhere, to disrupt this contest. However, I do think there is a need for ESPN to tell people when our eating hero, our hot dog hero displays these kind of heroics. What do you think? 800-848-9222. Dave Portnoy, who's a bigwig over at Barstool Sports, which is a website, and he does pizza videos, but they also have a sports betting book. He put out a statement, and it was really interesting, and it had my appropriate level of hyperbole. He said, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Joey Chestnut, Dave Portnoy. Just some of the greatest Americans of our time that we should be celebrating on our beautiful country's birthday today. Today, one of those great patriots was the subject of a vicious attack. During the Nathan's Fourth of July hot dog eating contest, Joey Chestnut was attacked mid-competition by an anti-American protester who tried to fight freedom. But ever the patriot, Chestnut fought off the protester, choked him out, and continued downing dogs to win his 15th title in 16 years, all while he was on crutches, no less. A performance that heroic may remind you of another great American hero, David S. Portnoy. Portnoy is another accomplished winner who has battled through injuries, including the worst shoulder doctors have ever seen, and enemies to claw his way to the top. Due to their shared heroics and love of America, Portnoy feels a kinship to Chestnut and his fans. As a result, the Barstool Sportsbook will be offering bad bet insurance for any... He actually wrote bad beat insurance, but I'm assuming that's a typo. Bad bet insurance for anyone who bet the over on Chestnut's total hot dogs consumed, and they'll get their money back. Why? Because the Barstool Sportsbook is America's sportsbook, and any other sportsbook that doesn't also offer insurance must be pro-China communists. We have no further comment at this time. So, I mean, putting aside him putting himself in the same category as George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Joey Chestnut, I think that's a nice thing, because that chokehold incident probably did affect Joey Chestnut's hot dog total, And um, I'm glad that if you bet the over, you're getting your money back. So good for you, Dave Portnoy. This was uh, Joey Chestnut after the contest. Joey, how how does the leg feel? It hurts, but uh, I was was in the dome pretty good for a little bit, and I was ignoring it, and uh, I slowed down. But it was was a crazy contest. I'm happy I was able to to come through on top. Uh, This is The Other Side of Midnight, 800-848-9222. Back with your calls momentarily. I'll leave you with this last word from Joey Chestnut, the 15-time hot dog eating champion of the world. 
when you've won so many times, what's it feel to win again in front of this crowd? Oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful to be back here in front of the audience. New York is amazing, and uh, there's not, no place like it in the world. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. side of midnight i'm frank morano uh, thank you for tuning into our program uh, hopefully you had a great independence day uh, it's you know we're going to get into some of the tougher issues that are in the news that uh, put a, a damper on everyone's holiday but i hope you still managed to have a good time and uh, celebrate america whatever you chose to do uh, if you want to jump on board 800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-9222 we want to give a special welcome and a special shout out to all of our listeners on the Nevada Talk Network KNNR in Reno KDJJ in Fallon KELY in Eli KAVB in Hawthorne and KPKK in Amargosa Valley and who could forget KPVM TV in Pahrump, Nevada the home of Art Bell we'll talk a little bit about Art Bell a little bit later we were um we were supposed to actually start in Nevada yesterday so for those of you that are in Nevada hearing us today we had some logistical issues that we've cleared up. Big thank you to our engineering staff for resolving that. However, if you're in Nevada and listening to this show thinking, who is this brash, opinionated New Yorker? We gave um, we gave an appropriate primer yesterday. So you're out of luck. We're both a day late and a dollar short. So this is one of those things. You know how sometimes you can watch a TV show or a movie and catch it from the middle and you you, you can pick up what happened? That's what you're going to have to do here. But believe me, I will make you one solemn guarantee. One, there is not a talk show host in Nevada that is more into casino gambling than I am. Number two, this is a one-night-only offer, maybe two nights. I am going to – we're going to grant Nevada phone privileges – to anybody that calls in from Nevada today at 800-848-9222, we'll put you to the front of the line today only as sort of a, a welcome to our little family kind of a situation. Number three, I promise you that I will always say Nevada. I know this has been controversial, and some people say Nevada. Other people say Nevada. So I Dealt with this about six years ago with Oscar Goodman, who's a great guy. He's the former mayor of Las Vegas. He's a former mob lawyer. His wife, Carolyn, is now the mayor of Las Vegas. He's one of my favorite people to interview, and he's going to come on with me soon. But uh, late nights are are tough for Oscar because he has the same fondness for Bombay Sapphire martinis that I do. So by the time we start airing, you know, Oscar's not necessarily at his sharpest. But... I did interview Oscar about six years ago trying to get to the bottom of this 
Nevada pronunciation controversy. Here, you're going to hear a bunch of politicians, Democrat and Republican, pronouncing Nevada slash Nevada. And then you're going to hear Oscar Goodman set the record straight once and for all. Let me begin first with the real hot-button issues of our time. Uh, Obviously, they begin with the presidential race. Donald Trump was in your state this past week, and uh, like he goes everywhere, created a great deal of controversy by saying this. Our infrastructure is like that of a third-world country. The homicide rate last year experienced the biggest single-year increase in 45 years. Nobody tells you that. Heroin overdoses are surging and meth overdoses in Nevada. Nevada. And you know what I said? You know what I said? I said when I came out here, I said, nobody says it the other way. It has to be Nevada. Right? And if you don't say it correctly, and it didn't happen to me, but it happened to a friend of mine. He was killed. Very interesting. Donald Trump says Nevada, whereas Michelle Obama got lambasted when she said Nevada. It is so nice to be back in Nevada. We are so happy to be here. Nevada, 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 Nevada. And even Jeb Bush took some ribbing. It's so cold, isn't it? I'm from Miami. This uh, Yesterday I left, it was like 88 degrees, and I thought I was coming to Nevada where it was going to be 88 degrees, but I'm in northern Nevada where it's 50 degrees. Nevada. Nevada. So, Mr. Mayor, set us straight the way. once and yeah. for all. How Wait, what, what, did the, what did Mr. Trump say? That, that, that to believe him when he said it was Nevada? Well, yeah. don't believe him, all right? Because anybody who knows what they're talking about, even though those three personages called it Nevada, are absolutely wrong. The first lesson you learn when you move out here, and I've been out here since 1964, is that we are in Nevada. 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 Not Nevada, as Mr. Trump actually represented was the way to say it. Yeah, that was what I found so interesting about that. That was very... I don't know. I guess he, he must have been listening to one of his advisors. So, on this show... Since Oscar says Nevada, it will always be Nevada. Thank you to everybody in the Nevada Talk Network that's listening. I think you'll find that the the show's a lot of fun. We like to have a lot of fun here. For everybody that uh, – and you know what it is. You know why the show is so fun and it's so, so going to be such a good fit for the good folks of Nevada is because in many respects it's like a Jewish deli, right? There are Jewish delis that are everywhere in the world – everywhere in America, L.A., Florida, wherever, at Chicago – And a lot of transplanted New Yorkers still view that Jewish deli as a slice of home. So if you have ever been to New York or if you've ever lived in New York, I think you'll find the New York sensibilities of this show very much a way of transporting yourself to New York. You know, I I didn't want to say too much of this yesterday because our program director, Matt Meany, was running the board He's given me all sorts of advice on not mentioning what's happening in New York, not referring to the station that we're number one on in New York, WABC. The truth is, and I don't want to say this when he's here, we're ignoring all that. We're ignoring every single bit of that. I'm proud to be on WABC. It's the best radio station in the history of New York City, and I'm proud to be a New Yorker. You know, when Seinfeld went on the air, Brandon Tartikoff, who was the head of NBC at the time, and others, they did not think the show was going to last because there was concerns that the show was too New York and too Jewish. 
Well, if it could work for Seinfeld, I'm not Jewish, but if it can work for Seinfeld, it can work for us. 800-848-9222. May you make the most of this. Brett is in Brooklyn. Hello, Brett. Hey, thanks so much for taking the call. I was calling about this hot dog contest. But by the way, I think you're going to be by, by the, within the next year, I think you're going to be in over, over 100 stations. I'm pretty certain about that. You're that well, that good, that great. Well, thank you. That's um, nice of you, Brett. Thank you. Okay. Now, about the, the food eating contest, first of all, I don't think that it's fair when they do seltzer drinking contests because you have some people that just can't handle the gas, so they'll be taking two sips of the seltzer while the other guys are going to be finished already. But I wanted to ask you a question. How do you think this guy who just had 63 hot dogs today is going to feel for the next two months? I don't even know how you could respect him for eating that many hot dogs. I mean, I just look at him as one big fat pig. I'm saying he, he he's not fat, though. He's in good shape. Yeah, but he's he, he's going to go through a lot over the next few weeks, don't you think? What do you think he's he's right now? He's not just relaxing on some chair. He's probably I don't I don't even know what he's doing. He's stuck in a cast. He can't even jump around to try to ease himself from the pain. What do you think he's is is how does he recuperate from this? I don't even know he was how he was able to speak after the contest. Um, you know, maybe he is great, and maybe you should respect him for the fact that he was able to speak after such a contest and didn't just completely collapse from all of that. I would have 25 hot dogs in the period that he had. I wouldn't be talking to you for the next two years well, after that, that. That's what makes it such an incredible achievement as far as I'm concerned, Brett, because this is something that regular mortals can't do. This is almost superhuman, what he's been able to do here. Uh, that's not an exaggeration. This is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I, um, you know, I went to quite a few barbecues yesterday for Independence Day. It was most of the day at my mom's. Then I was, uh, we went to our friend Frank Fontano's. I was sorry I was not able to make the Goldman's. Thank you for the invite there, though. But uh, I'm sorry I can't, couldn't make it. I'm sure they were disappointed. But I saw my wife eating a burger. Now, my wife's a vegetarian, so she likes the Impossible Burgers, which are, are meat-free. And they're very good. I've had them. And my wife did something that I I don't know that I've seen anybody do in quite some time. She has her burger. It's got cheese on it. She puts ketchup on it. Are you ready for this? And this is how you know we're just crazy in the Morano household. She puts mustard on it as well. She does a burger with both ketchup and mustard. Now, I've heard ketchup and mayonnaise. I have never really experienced that, at least not in my recent memory, of someone doing ketchup and mustard simultaneously. Are you? Have you seen that before? I thought it was very interesting. I was happy that she was making such a bold choice. I was. Uh, but uh, we had a great time today. And uh, it was, you know, when you have a baby, and we have a seven-month-old, it's great because he's got to go to bed at a certain time. So he always is, you know, a stone's throw away from being ready to cry. So it's a perfect excuse to be able to leave somewhere, you know? So, so I mean, we were at my mom's for a while. It was her birthday on July 3rd. But he's crying, and he's, he's like, all right, sorry. Well, we got to go. You hear your grandson crying. And then we go to my friend Frank Fontano's, and now I'm exhausted, absolutely exhausted. I hadn't slept because I worked uh, super late yesterday, and I hadn't had a chance to prepare for the show. I needed to go home and, one, try to sleep through the barrage of mortar and brimstone that they call fireworks in my neighborhood. And two, um, I had to prepare for the show a bit. 
So uh, we could say, you know, sorry, it's his bedtime. You see he's getting cranky. He's vomiting all over the place. So um, it was. It, it's nice to have a built-in excuse to be able to leave when you want to leave because other times it can be tough to leave. Although we were there for an hour at the Fontano Barbecue. It was a, a, a great, great party. All right. 800-848-9222. You can comment. I am curious how many of you agree with me that ESPN should have acknowledged that Joey Chestnut was responsible for putting that fella in a chokehold. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. And if um, you, you know people in your life that do ketchup and mustard on a hamburger or even a veggie burger, 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, thank you for listening. A lot of people heading back to work after a three-day weekend. If you're one of them, particularly if you work overnight hours or odd hours, um, I've always considered people are, that are awake at this time as something of a fraternity. So I really um, i have always viewed people that listen live rather than on the podcast as um, somebody that I have a kinship with. Now, if you ever can't listen to the whole show, you can search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano on any podcast platform that you care to listen to us on. One of the things about celebrating America's birthday, those of you that are holding, I'll get to you in a moment, 800-848-9222. One of the things about celebrating America's birthday is that you really tend to look, at least I do, at a lot of American traditions, right? The flag, uh, what's written on our money, our nation's history, and the national anthem. And I got to tell you, I don't know how I missed this. I I did, though. I'm a baseball fan, and the manager of the San Francisco Giants, Gabe Kepler, has done something that I find really horrible, quite frankly. And look, I I don't know anything about Gabe Kapler except this, basically. But they had this horrible mass shooting at at the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. And in the aftermath of that shooting, the San Francisco Giants manager, Gabe Kapler, announced that he will no longer be coming out to the field for the national anthem prior to his team's games. He said that this will be his protocol until he feels better about the direction of the country. I have to tell you, I found that so peculiar and, to be honest, disrespectful to people that are currently in harm's way serving our nation in uniform. Now, I don't like everything that's happening in this country. I don't like a lot of the things that America does around the world overseas. But I'm very proud to be an American And I'm appreciative of the freedoms that we have here. And look, I I appreciate the fact that he was upset about the Uvalde shooting. But the fact that there are some terrible things happening in America 
that doesn't make the promise of the national anthem any less important. In my view, it makes it more important. So I was very disappointed. And then I saw on Memorial Day that Gabe Kapler, the Giants manager, suspended his protest. He temporarily paused his protest on Memorial Day. And I guess that's a nice thing. He says, today I'll be standing, this is what he said on Memorial Day, today I'll be standing for the anthem. While I believe strongly in the right to protest and the importance of doing so, I also believe strongly in honoring and mourning our country's servicemen and women who fought and died for that right. Those who serve in our military and especially those who have paid the ultimate price for our rights and freedoms deserve that acknowledgement and respect. And I'm honored to stand on the line today to show mine. And this is what drives me crazy is he's absolutely right. But it's just as true on Memorial Day as it is every other day, including July 4th. In my view, uh, the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, which was written during a war, that doesn't mean uh, only on Memorial Day you're recognizing the rocket's red glare and that our flag was still there. There's a reason we play the national anthem before every baseball game. And I think the same reasons that he stood for the national anthem on Memorial Day, he should be doing it every day. But there was one column in the um, in the L.A. Times, which uh, I don't have a subscription for, so I can't read the whole thing, I'll be honest. And I'm not going to spring for an L.A. Times subscription just to read one article. However, I will say, if you do have an L.A. Times subscription and you want to share your login information with me, please feel free to email me. Frank.Morano, that's M-O-R-A-N-O, Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com or direct message me on Twitter at Frank Morano. But there's an op-ed about what the national anthem means now, and it's written in sort of a comedic style. And uh, I guess maybe these days the national anthem means different things to different people. In my view, it's just as important as ever. And I hope uh, that Gabe Kapler will end rather than just suspend this protest. 800-848-9222. Megan is in my hometown of Staten Island. Hello, Megan. Hey, good morning. Thanks so much for taking the call. Sure. I just wanted to talk about the ketchup and the mayonnaise on, on a burger. Right. Now, I, you, you made a mistake. You were wrong because ketchup and mayonnaise mm-hmm. equals Russian dressing. No, I know that. Island what my dressing. wife did was mustard, ketchup and mustard. Right. Now, ketchup and mustard would not be ketchup and mustard because you put any two dressings together, you're going to get not the taste of the ketchup, not the taste of the mustard, but an entirely new concept, which is like when you put the mayonnaise together with ketchup, you get Russian dressing. And you can never go wrong by putting together two dressings. I will always put together spicy mayo, honey mustard, um, sweet chili, mayonnaise, ketchup, so, Megan, and just mix it all together. I, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly familiar with both Russian dressing and Thousand Island dressing, but what do you call the combination of, of ketchup and mustard? Um, custard. Custard. That, that would be called, yes. Yeah, I'm I, saying there's no name. I'm sure there is a name for that, but if you're asking me off the top of my head, I would call it custard. Yeah, I mean, I found online, and some people call it ketchard, but it doesn't look like it has an official name. But what? let me ask well, you this. Ketchard doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. Ketchard, it doesn't. That's why, no. that's why it never took off, because it doesn't have a catchy name. Let me ask you this, Megan. 
She did not mix the ketchup and mayonnaise. She put, excuse me, the ketchup and mustard. She put ketchup on one end of her hamburger bun and then mustard on the other end of her hamburger bun. So is it really a mixture oh. if it's one on each end? Uh, I would I would say that it's not because, you know, if you put it on, on the same end, then it gets smashed right. together with, right. by the bun. Now, so she had a ketchup and mustard. She didn't have custard. Right. Yeah, that's right that's what that. I, thank you, Megan. Now, certified by a total stranger, Megan in Staten Island, I reiterate what I said about my wife's eating habits, which I observed firsthand with my own eyes. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on Gabe Kapler and the national anthem or uh, the Joey Chestnut heroics at the contest, now's the time. 800-848-9222. This is the other side of midnight straight ahead. The other side of midnight. Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. If I Can Dream, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that Elvis movie next hour. I haven't seen it, but um, what I've heard in most quarters is pretty favorable, and I'd like to see it. I'm a big fan of uh, both Elvis and Baz Luhrmann. We'll get into that. By the way, if you ever want to know what kind of music we play on this show, the best way that you can do that is to join our Facebook group. Just search on Facebook, M-O-R-A-N-O, Morano. Radio fans and haters, and it's also a platform for the items that we discuss on this show. I'm going to get back to your calls in a moment, but one of the things that um, I really enjoy doing on uh, Independence Day, and I did not get to do it yesterday, wa- is to watch the musical 1776. And I know it's coming back as a Broadway revival this time, I believe, with an all-female cast. I'm probably going to end up going to see it as well. I saw the last revival. I'm just such a sucker for this show. I love this show. I love everything about it. And, um, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't get home until about 7.30, 7.45 yesterday because I was working in the on the morning show with John Katzmatidis. And then I woke up around 11.30 or so. So I got about four hours of sleep. And it was just about time for the hot dog eating contest. So I had to watch it. Then we went to my mom's. And then well, we had a whole day planned there. So I did not get to do my tradition of watching 1776 and seeing some of the greatest acting ever from William Daniels, who plays John Adams in that film. Face facts, Mr. Adams. A handful of drunk and disorderly recruits against the entire British Army. The finest musket men on earth. How can we win? How can we even hope to survive? Answer me straight, Chase. If you thought we could beat the Redcoats, would Maryland say yay to independence? 
Well, I suppose... No supposing. Would you or wouldn't you? Very well, Mr. Adams. Yes. Ugh. I still get goosebumps watching uh, William Daniels in that role. One of the great thrills for me a few years ago was to be able to interview both William Daniels and his wife, Bonnie Bartlett. Bonnie Bartlett is also an actress. They're in the 90s now. I think William Daniels is in his mid to late 90s. But they still both sound great. And they actually played a husband and wife on the TV show St. Elsewhere. And there's one episode of St. Elsewhere you may remember where they actually spend a little bit of time in that same area of Philadelphia walking the same places that John Adams did. So when I interviewed William Daniels, I asked him what he had in common with John Adams, how he came to play that role. And it was interesting not only hearing his commentary, but his wife Bonnie Bartlett's as well. Tell Mm -hmm. folks how this affiliation with uh, John Adams uh, began, and uh, tell me what kind of a a kinship do you feel with the historical character of John Adams? Well, uh, I I didn't know too much about him until uh, I was cast, and then I started reading about him. And uh, there were things about him uh, that I were able to incorporate he talked a lot. He liked to get up on the floor at Congress, and uh, and uh, he never or, had enough to race. say. <laughs> he never had enough to say. No, yeah, and uh, so I kind of um, uh, tried to incorporate that into my. Uh, but I'll t- I, I can tell you what happened. They the script came into the house, and. I said, here's a script that they're interested in you to do. I read the script. He didn't want to read it. He said, it's about the Constitution. It's about, he said, forget it. He said, That's a, they'll be doing the Bible next. And he, <laughs> you know, he, said, he said, forget it. A musical, forget it. So I read the script, and I said, Billy, I said, this is like a part that's been written for you. This is you. I said, I don't know if you can sing all those 11 songs. I don't know if you, you know, can do that now, but the part is great. And so he still, you know, wasn't that enthusiastic. And he went in and sang and and blotched the lyrics, but <laughs> they really wanted him because they... They just knew that he was the right person for it, and but, they really wanted it. Bonnie, Bill makes and, it sound he, make, he makes it sound as if singing is not necessarily your strong suit as a performer. Is he too harsh on no, you? I'm in this not book? at all. I can't sing. No, I no. You know what? I can sing. I have a good voice. I don't have a good ear, and that's more important. Mm. That it's really what you sound like isn't so important, but you got to have an ear. You got to be able to to sing it the way it's supposed to be sung. You know, you have to. It's not the sound of the voice that's so important. So that was a real treat for me to be able to talk with uh, with both of them who were just so incredibly nice. By the way, we're going to take your calls in just a moment. 800-848-9222. I'm curious if you saw that Elvis movie and uh, what your take on it was and if it's worth making a special trip to the theaters for. We're going to go through your mail later if you want to email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Until then, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population. Make sure you get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.
This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Today's sort of an interesting day. It's, uh, depending on your perspective, you're either wrapping up your July 4th festivities or maybe you're, you're being kept awake by the constant barrage of fireworks that people think it's okay to explode in residential neighborhoods. Or maybe you're just starting to get back into the groove of the work week. Whatever the case may be, I do appreciate you uh, being with us on July 5th. Hey, there's a lot of speculation about something that's happening today and the potentially cataclysmic implications for this. I'm going to tell you about that coming up in a few minutes. But uh, if you're interested in the Hadron Collider, boy, do we have some news for you on that front. I'll tell you about that coming up in a few minutes. But uh, it's interesting. My, um, I, I, every Friday, we have on. Um, not every Friday. I, actually, maybe it's one Friday a month. We have on Debbie Schlussel. Now, Debbie Schlussel is a very well-known attorney and conservative pundit. She used to be a regular on the Howard Stern show. She's been. She used to be a regular on the Sean Hannity show. She's very much a, a part of the conservative punditocracy, and I find her pretty amusing. But. She comes on not necessarily to give political commentary. She comes on to talk movie reviews. But what I've said, and I've said this to her, that I find that so often her movie reviews are a reflection of her political ideology, right? And I, I, she sees these films and she sees these, I don't know, these, these, this political agenda in all these films that I don't see. So when she was on Friday, she had a great deal to say about the Elvis Presley film. And lo and behold, since, and I'm going to replay for you what she said in a moment, but since then, I have been deluged with people writing to me saying they completely disagree with her analysis of the film. So I went to my friend Frank Fontano's for the 4th of July holiday, and they've got Elvis music playing loudly the entire party, which is great. I love Elvis music. And my friend that we brought there, she says to him, hey, did you see the new Elvis movie? Frank says, I saw it twice, and I'm going tomorrow to see it for a third time. Saw it twice, and he's going to see it a third time. Now, you compare that. So I'm curious if you share his reaction, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Or... Is your reaction a little closer to the one expressed by Debbie Schlussel? I do not care for this movie. I was really underwhelmed. First of all, it's way too long. Secondly, it's very cartoonish. Third, they tried to wokeify the Elvis story. Um, and beyond that, it really should be called the Colonel Tom Parker story with Elvis um, sort of as a sideshow. And Colonel Tom Parker is played by... Tom Hanks with very obvious cartoonish um, uh, prosthetics on his face and his neck. And it's just, it's not serious to me. Um, and it, it's 
it go it's very herky jerky goes backward and forward and they constantly constantly remind you of their point that Elvis stole his act and his songs from uh black Americans and this is something I've heard since I was a kid um and they show this woman named um Big Mama who in uh real life saying uh I think she's saying Jailhouse Rock. I, I know she's saying um, uh, That's All Right, Mama. And um, she sang some other songs that he sang. Well, you know what? Um, she did not write those songs. And some of the other songs that he sang that other blacks wrote, they, or saying they did not write those songs. And you know what? Whitney Houston did not write I Will Always Love You. Can I say that she culturally appropriated from a white singer? Right, from Dolly, Dolly Parton, Parton, right? Yeah. You know, and I could give a lot of examples where black singers covered songs first written or first sung by white people. I don't think it means they stole anything. They just did something on their, with their own style. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't care for that. I also thought the guy who played Elvis, just doesn't look like Elvis. He looks more like, at least in the second half of the movie, if Ray Liotta or Wayne Newton got plastic surgery to look like Elvis. (laughs) Now, so far, everything that I've heard to a person about this film has been positive. Now, I am not looking for a literal historical record, okay, when I go see a film. I'm an Elvis fan. I'm a fan of films. I'm a fan of Elvis films. There's a lot of great Elvis films out there. Frankie and Johnny, for instance, great film. Uh, uh, she mentioned Jailhouse Rock. I like Jailhouse Rock. There's a lot of good ones. But I'm just looking to be entertained and maybe hear some good Elvis music. So I'm curious if you've seen the film. Do you agree more with Debbie Schlussel? Or do you agree with Frank Fontano? 800-848-9222. By the way, that was the subject of a great deal of email that I got this week. Uh, And if you want, we are going to read through your email a little later this hour. If you want to be heard, if you want to sound off, you can certainly email me at frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. You're welcome to comment on uh, anything else we're covering as well. Let me begin with Mario in Manhattan. Hello, Mario. Yes, sir. Uh, your, your show is now national. Is that correct? Uh, well, we're we're on in the New York area and we're on in Nevada. Okay. So once upon a time, the lady that comes on from 10 to midnight, uh, the man that came on right after her, she would discuss things with him. And then they stopped that because they said she was national. So is the same thing going to happen now with you and the man that's on from midnight to one? But you won't go on his show at the end. No, why? Why would national? I? Why would I not go on his show? Well, she don't go on his show no more for the for the time that uh, the last part of her program no more. Well, I can't and, speak to uh, what I can't speak to what uh, what Rita Cosby does, but I could uh, as long as Dominic invites me, I'll be there. Oh, I had no idea. I thought there was some kind of a communication. No, I mean, what I think, I think, Mario, I, I think, you know, Rita is probably on in, I don't know how many stations, but let's say she's on in 25, 30 stations. 
So uh-huh. not all of those stations carry Dominic Carter. In fact, none of them except WABC do. So it really wouldn't mm. make sense for Dominic to go on the last few minutes of her show and promote what he's doing on his show when the people that are listening to her on those other stations can't hear it. Does that make sense? Got it. Got it, yeah. Now, are you going to change your venue to accommodate the stations that you're reaching now in different parts of the country? Well, no, I mean, in terms of programming, no. Uh, My plan is to do nothing differently, much to the chagrin of Alex Barnard and, uh, and management. But uh, I think we may have to make a field trip to Nevada. There's a lot going on in Nevada. Uh, certainly, uh, I'm a, I've been to Las Vegas many times. It's great to visit Las Vegas, especially old Vegas. But there are a lot of other great parts of the state that I've never been to. I've never been to Reno, never been to Pahrump, a lot of other great parts of the state that I'd love to see. Never been to Lake Tahoe. And I'd certainly be interested in exploring uh, all of those areas. So you're basically saying you're going to pull an IMUS. In well, a way, when, you know, like, you know how you used to, like, travel to Texas for yeah, everybody a little bit. But, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We'll, why, not we'll do do, why not do, like, a, you know, a other side of midnight Vegas trip? We, I think, well, I think that would be fun. I think that would be a lot of fun. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Queens. Hello there, Joe. Yeah, Frank, uh, two things. One is your wife. What she should do is when she has a turkey sandwich or fish on a bun. She should also do the same thing, put mustard and ketchup on and, and see how that tastes to her. You know, why not do both, one side and the other side? So that's what I'd suggest. Have you tried it? I've done that, yeah. Okay. I've done that. It's fine. You You're know, a real wild you. man, aren't you, Joe? I had no idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. Me, me and your wife are both pretty wild, Frank. All right. Well, hey, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be minding my P's and Q's when you're around, Joe. Let me tell you. I don't want you guys bonding too closely over the condiment issue. There's just no, one syllable difference between condiment and condom. I'm very aware of that. <laughs> you got to be careful, Frank. Now, the other thing is uh, with the uh, – still there, Frank? Yeah, I'm listening to you. Yeah, uh, the guy was in the limelight on Coney Island, right? Uh, you, you know, the guy that won the contest. Joey Chestnut, now, right. To, yeah, Joey Chestnut. To interrupt him like that, you know, this is this guy's day in the sun. Come on. You know, that's very rude, you know. Uh, I don't know how a guy would know he could eat 70 hot dogs in a short amount of time. I don't, I don't know how you would even know that, though, about yourself. That well, you train. You train. He spends the whole year training. He does, And I mentioned this yesterday. There's a terrific documentary that ESPN did. Uh, it's part of their 30 for 30 series where they trace the rivalry between Joey Chestnut and Takaro Kobayashi. And there's several scenes in that documentary that show uh, Joey Chestnut's incredible training regimen. And he trains just the same way a marathon runner would train, just the same way a weightlifter uh, would train. And it's very tough. Joe, thank you. You know, one of my talents, and I have very few, I've admitted that, one of my very few talents is however many coins you have on you right now, I can catch that same amount of coins off my elbow and in my hand. If you have 30 coins on you, I can put those coins on my elbow and catch them. Now, you don't just wake up one morning and decide, I'm going to do that. You, in my case, I saw it on an episode of Happy Days. So you start with one, and then you go with two, and then you go three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then before you know it, you can do 50, 60, 70, or 100. And that's, I think, to some extent, what Joey Chestnut's been able to do. 
with his jaw exercises and the physical um, exercise regimen that he has maintained. 800-848-9222. Simon is in Brooklyn. Hello, Simon. Yes, Frank, happy holiday. Likewise. By the way, Nathan, Nathan's, I know, the hot dogs, it's been around over, over, over 100 years. It's a Jewish guy who came from Europe. And he's the first one of them. That's right, the Nathan hospital. Nathan Handworker. I'm aware of that. Yeah, and, and and him and Levi Jeans, the one who Levi's was also their partners. And um, but if you ever have tasted Nathan's hot dog, it's not salty. I could have ten and fifteen of them. It's it melts down your throat. They're delicious. You know, there's a great documentary, and I you know I should have invited the director of it on today. I didn't think, but uh, there's a great documentary and a great book. It's the same thing. Uh, called Famous Nathan, and it's done by Nathan's grandson, and it traces the whole history of of Nathan's and the what the grandfather did, what the father did, the split in the family about how to handle the restaurant business. I do recommend it if people are interested in the history of Nathan's hot dogs, they should check out uh, this this documentary or read the book. It's called Famous Nathan. It's very good. Wow, great. And, uh, yeah, great. You, have, you know, July 4th, we all come together, all, all Americans. It's beautiful. We just, it's so simple, having cookouts and having a good time. And I just hope it continues. And we all, all, all Republicans or Democrats, we come as one. Yeah, I, I agree people. with you. I agree with you. And thanks for that call, Simon. I was a little disappointed to see a lot of people uh, use the occasion, mostly celebrities. And I try not to spend too much time talking about what celebrities' views are on certain things. But a lot of celebrities essentially were sounded like they were blasting America on Independence Day. Now, again, I don't care what people's beliefs are. You want to be conservative? Be conservative. You want to be liberal? Be liberal. It doesn't matter to me. I think that's part of what makes America so great is that we have a wide multitude of opinions and that we're free to go out into the public square or on the radio or at barbecues and shout loudly with our neighbors, our family and friends about those. Now, that being said, so um, the on NPR, the host of Morning Edition, uh, Steve Inskeep celebrated July 4th by reading out the Declaration of Independence uh, for 33 straight years. He did it for 33 straight years. I thought it was a wonderful thing. I love that he did that. I loved it. And I, I was thinking of stealing that idea myself, but I figured, all right, there's already a guy that does, it, that does it. Yesterday, he didn't do it. This is what he said. This July 4th, we break with tradition. Instead of reading a reading of the Declaration of Independence, um, Steve Inskeep examines what equality means and has meant in this document. Important segment about our past and future. Then uh, it gets into a whole abortion discussion. Many of our debates on this July 4th turn on what equality means, what voting rules really give equal access to on the ballot. Then uh, you saw Jessica Chastain say, happy Independence Day from me and my reproductive rights. Now, if you want greater reproductive freedom... You should vote for people that want to give you that access to abortion. There are a lot of countries, and I'm thinking of Iran, I'm thinking of China, I'm thinking of Saudi Arabia. You can go down the list, Qatar, Kuwait, you can go down the list, where the people living there don't have the freedom to make voting, um, you know, make selections about 
who makes decisions about their reproductive freedom. Kim Kardashian and her mother, Kris Jenner, shared a post to their Instagram stories that read, Fourth of July has been canceled due to a shortage of independence. Sincerely, women. I thought that was terrible. Uh, Congresswoman Ann Eshoo of California claims on Twitter that this 4th of July is overshadowed by the dark reality of the Supreme Court's decision that makes half of America less equal. Claudia Conway, the daughter of uh, the former Trump administration staffer Kellyanne Conway, she marched in an abortion rights protest in New Jersey and questioned why Americans should buy into July 4th propaganda. Now, she answers her own question. The reason Americans should buy into July 4th propaganda and the reason I buy into it is because it's the freedoms guaranteed in the Bill of Rights that give you the freedom to protest, the freedom to petition your government, the freedom to speak out about issues you believe in. To me, um, if you loudly disagree with the direction the country is going, that's all the more reason that you should be celebrating America. Because there's a lot of places where people don't have that freedom to loudly exclaim what their disagreements are. So uh, to your point, Simon, I agree. This should be a day where Democrats, Republicans, independents, or people that don't even care about politics can get together, have some fun, and celebrate America and what makes this country so great. And not look for excuses to tear it down. Can America be better? Yes. Always can be better. But as far as what America has done for the world in terms of freeing people from oppression, ask the people that were freed from fascism, from Nazism, from Islamic fundamentalism in some cases, from communism. Ask those folks if they would like to be celebrating July 4th. I just find it. And and again, I get where these people are coming from. Michael Moore said the same thing. But I find it so tone deaf and and sad, quite frankly. 800-848-9222. I'm still looking for reviews on this Elvis movie. By the way, I got an SMS text message here. You know, everybody's a critic. Um, Baz Luhrmann, this is, if you want to ever SMS text message me, you can send me an SMS text at 816-8-MORANO. That's 816-8-MORANO. Baz Luhrmann is congenitally incapable of directing a good movie. I'm amused that you'd even question that this Elvis wouldn't be awful. I think Baz Luhrmann's a great director. I thought his uh, film Moulin Rouge was terrific. Uh, I thought um, his film Strictly Ballroom was great. The Great Gatsby I really enjoyed. Romeo and Juliet, the version with Leonardo DiCaprio, I thought that was great. I think he's a wonderful director. I love his whole style. So I, I am wondering if people that do like Baz Luhrmann and do like Elvis think the movie's worth watching. Hey, is the world ending today? If it is, I guess you better get to see those movies quickly. This is The Other Side of Midnight. We'll explore it straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
This is uh, Hysteria by Def Leppard. You could tell Alex Barnard is uh, in charge of the music today. Squeezes in his Def Leppard uh, propaganda. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing, just join our Facebook group. Uh, just search on Facebook, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. And I post in that Facebook group each and every morning the uh, names of all the songs that we play. Hey, um, today's a big day. And today is a day that has conspiracy theorists going crazy because a group called CERN, C-E-R-N, stands for something. The E is European. I'll, I'll tell you what it stands for. Saying. CERN is ready to restart its Large Hadron Collider, LHC, today, today to mark the 10-year anniversary of the Higgs boson particles discovery. This is the particle that they call the God particle, okay? But the upcoming test has inspired all sorts of conspiracy theories, one of which is linking it to the TV show Stranger Things. Now, I haven't seen Stranger Things, but I'm told it's great, and I know people really love it. But this is what, what CERN said on their website. The Large Hadron Collider is ready to once again start delivering proton collisions to experiments, this time at an unprecedented energy of 13.6 TeV. This is a BBC News announcement on this subject from a couple of months ago. The world's most powerful particle accelerator. The Large Hadron Collider will reopen today after three years of being shut down for improvements. Scientists around the globe are hoping that the upgraded machine, which is massive, will be able to detect new particles and start a physics revolution that could forever change our understanding of the whole universe. So the LHC, as you heard there, is the world's most powerful particle accelerator. It's now up and running again after three years of upgrades and maintenance work. Now, it, this is true. This is not... A conspiracy theory. It is true that this accelerator will be home to a major part, a major particle smash today. However, all sorts of internet users are obsessing over the notion that CERN is trying to open a portal to another dimension, prompting them to compare it to the events in Netflix's Stranger Things. Now, I haven't seen Stranger Things, but a show that I did watch about 25 years ago was a show that dealt with crossing the Einstein-Rosen-Podolsky bridge and visiting parallel worlds. That was a show called Sliders, which was really a neat show with John Rhys-Davies and uh, uh, all, all sorts of interesting people uh, that were in that show. Uh, Cl- Clevin Derrick, Carrie Warrer was on it for or for a time. It starred Jerry O'Connell. And it was really neat. Whenever they'd go to uh, break, uh, they'd, they would just play somebody whispering, and it was really fun. Like one, one, it was an adventure every week. Almost reminded me of the show, The Time Tunnel. Um, one week they travel to a world where uh, they don't have penicillin. Another week they travel to a world where the gender roles of men and women are reversed. Another week they travel to a world where um, the, the Americans lost the Revolutionary War. Another week they travel to a world where Americans lost the Cold War. So it's really, it was a really neat show. So um, before we get into the conspiracy theories. This is a CERN scientist by the name of Randy Stierenberg explaining what they're actually trying to find with all these particles colliding today. 
an even more exciting thing is uh, to see if we can find dark matter. Because this is this cliche thing, if you look to the sky in the evening, you see these 95%, you see this 5% uh, of what's out there, and the other 95% you don't see. And this is for us what we call the black matter. And, and we hope to, to, to be able to discover hints of the existence and, and, and how to look for it, also with the LAC. So on the internet, internet users are going crazy. And a lot of people, by the way, if you want to comment on this, you can, 800-848-9222. A lot of people don't yet understand what's really happening at CERN today. As a result, they've come up with bizarre theories. One of them, one of the most popular, quite frankly, strangely links this experiment that we're going to see today to the Netflix show Stranger Things. Now, I want to be clear. So far, no reputable scientist has embraced this theory, but... It's not going to stop me from talking about it because I do wonder, is it a great idea to be, you know, trying to open holes to other dimensions? I mean, what could go wrong? It sounds like the beginning of two-thirds of the really good apocalyptic science fiction movies. So for the unversed, and again, I'm unversed because I have not seen Stranger Things. The Netflix series revolves around a scientific experiment gone wrong that accidentally opens a portal to the upside down, a.k.a. another dimension. The upside down is filled with dark and dangerous creatures that start seeping into our world through the cracks. Uh, One Twitter user said, I am so sick of people asking, how are you spending your July 4th? There's nothing to celebrate, and they're launching CERN on the 4th slash 5th, meaning it's going to be Stranger Things in real life. Another person T-minus two hours before the CERN Atlas Project tests their Hadron Collider. I really hope you don't rip a hole in space-time and create a multiverse or start real-life Stranger Things. Another person says, CERN is turning up, uh, turning on the particle accelerator, and they say it's to measure protons, but going down the rabbit hole, it's much darker than that. Possibly opening up a portal to some uh, a portal of some kind, they're looking for a godlike particle or another dimension. Think Stranger Things or The Mist. So I don't know what's going to happen today. I'm curious if you're nervous. 800-848-9222. Uh, here is the BBC explaining exactly how this collider will work. Dark matter is shown here in purple in this simulation, sprawling across the blackness of space. The bright areas are galaxies, stars and planets, which make up just a tiny fraction of the universe. The researchers here hope to produce dark matter particles by accelerating the inside of atoms close to the speed of light around a 27-kilometer ring and then crashing them together. Could this be one of the biggest discoveries ever in physics? I'd say yes. <laughs> I'd say it might be yes indeed. It's the majority of the universe that is made of this dark matter, and we have at the moment no clue what it is. So, yeah. Another guy just texted me not another dimension. It could create a black hole and kill everyone. They call it unlikely. Well, I should hope it's unlikely. 800-848-9222. Let me leave you with this. This is um, Na- Neil, Kern- Neil Kearns from Razor explaining that the Hydron Collider is trying to break the standard model to discover black matter. What they're trying to do there is mimic, uh, approach the energies that happened at the beginning of the Big Bang, when all the energy that was released 
Some of it stayed energy. A lot of it turned into matter. And so if you want to understand the nature of that matter, you need to pull it apart and have a good look at it. And you do that by banging particles into each other that smash into their constituent particles, elements, even you know smaller and smaller and smaller subatomic elements. And you need huge energies to do that. You're accelerating protons, you know, the building blocks of atoms, around this ring at near the speed of light and smashing them into each other. And they fly apart, revealing all the, all the constituents and other elements and, and energies that make up matter in the universe. And why is this research so important? Well, if we want to understand our place in the universe, we need to get as deep down as we can get. And in order to do that, you need these energies. And that's what they're doing. They're upgrading the injectors that fire the, the particles. They're, up, they're, they're not um, upgrading the magnets so much as retraining the magnets that direct these particles so that you can get these higher and higher energies. And also they're getting higher collision rates because when you're doing these experiments where maybe one in a thousand times you get the result you want, you need to do them many, many, many times over and over again. And, you know, the answer to why are we doing it is if we want to understand the universe, our place in the universe, we need to get as fundamental understanding of, uh, of it as we can. Well, it's called the standard model. And what these guys are trying to do is break the standard model. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, we are going to go through your mail in just a moment. Uh, if you ever want to send me mail, you can do so via email at uh, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. If uh, you want to send me good old-fashioned snail mail then you can send it to uh, P.O. Box 1777, uh, New York, New York, and I'll uh, get you the zip code. But you've got to make sure that you send it to my attention. That is the, that's the key. It's got to be sent to my attention, uh, P.O. Box 1777, and uh, it will be oh, 10163. Thank you, Alex Barnard. Uh, that's New York, New York, 10163. Thank you. 800-848-9222. A couple of people have been patiently holding. Let me go through your calls quickly, and then we'll do the mail. Peter is on Staten Island. Hello, Peter. Hi, Frank. I agree 50-50 with Miss Schlesinger and your friend that saw it six times. They, uh, your friend that saw it six times, I think the music was very, very good. The, the songs were great. It was good. I, he didn't really look that much like Elvis. He did look like Ray Liotta, the late Ray Liotta. But uh, also on the thing with the fireworks, I was disappointed. I had the luxury of being on a yacht out in the water about two miles from where the fireworks were shot, and he had a 100-inch uh, TV. So I watched most of it. And Pitbull, Pitbull was the best of the entertainment, in my opinion. A lot of the people that perform I never heard of, but not me not hearing them don't mean they're great. 
but Pitbull was really good. And what they did when they did the remake, you know, they broadcast it after about 10 o'clock. They put Pitbull on first. So evidently, NBC saw the same thing I saw to keep, you know, to keep you uh, interested. Because I basically, I just was, I've seen fireworks shows maybe in the last 30 years, 25 of them. And this one didn't tickle my fancy. Really? Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Peter. I hope you had a nice holiday uh, even without the oh, I fireworks. I did. Thank you very, very much. And now that you said the world might end, I've decided to pay all my bills on the 10th. And the 10th. <laughs> That's what you have to do. You know, whenever there's those apocalyptic predictions that the rapture is coming or something along those lines, I always, uh, just in case it is coming, I always do the same thing. If I am supposed to meet somebody for lunch that I don't necessarily want to meet or pay some bills, I always do it after the rapture. Lamar's in Manhattan. Hello, Lamar. Mr. Morano, I've got to make a confession here. I wouldn't stay on the line this long to talk to anybody about anything except Elvis Presley. <laughs> uh, I'm still hearing, well, insofar as the sacred occasion of our Independence Day is concerned, I can tell it's still being celebrated by people from the reported detonations I can hear outside my window. And on this sacred day, it should be remembered that Elvis was a man who loved the Lord, loved his mama, and loved his country with an old-fashioned intensity. Now, getting to the film, I'm afraid I must agree with the young lady you had on earlier in the evening. Really? uh, Some friends of mine insisted that I go to the showcase with them, and I viewed it. It was a little bit ponderous and long for my taste, and it was sure enough wokeified, but... uh, Today, what isn't? Even Disney World is wokeified. And I will suggest to anyone who admires or loves Elvis, and I guess that includes most of the free and not-so-free world, uh, just read one of his many films Hmm. and enjoy that because in the words of one of his contemporaries, Little Richard, Elvis Presley has been often imitated but never duplicated. And... I would just remind everybody that the original was showing off right because the original is always superior to any substitute. Interesting. And it was good talking to you, Mr. Murano. Well, Lamar, thank you. Yeah, so all of a sudden my enthusiasm has been dampened. Now, it takes, especially when we have a seven-month-old, it takes a lot of effort to have a night out to go to the movies. So we really only want to invest that amount of time and, quite frankly, money if – it's something that we are relatively certain that we're going to like. Otherwise, I'll wait for it to come out on uh, streaming and just watch it when it comes out. Leo is in Manhattan. Hello, Leo. Good morning, Frank. Uh, I wanted to make comments on the on that ketchup mayonnaise, but I I, I prefer to talk about the independence. Uh, people who are born into actually independence cannot imagine and cannot really feel it. It's like a white man never can really understand how it would be to be slave. Uh, we was living in a, in a communism, but actually all the small communist country was depend, dependent on whatever was under control of Moscow. As one example, Frank, uh, when Walesa in the Poland made the revolution 89 i was in the military and we got order from moscow and we was for three weeks on the polish border ready actually with the whole division get into the poland and and 
basically in my youth until today when i when i hear uh, mandatory i'm 60 years old i'm slightly overweight i'm not vaccinated for one single reason because my entire youth was every single aspect of my life was mandatory in communism i hate when i heard talking them about uh the 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 firemen's gonna have mandatory uh, overtimes because people who don't want to get vaccinated is gonna get fired. I just want to make well, it throw up. Uh, Leo, th- thank you. I'm certainly with you on the uh, mandatory vaccinations. I don't think it should be mandatory. I made the decision to get vaccinated because I think the evidence certainly suggests that you're much less likely to be hospitalized and die from COVID if you're vaccinated. So, uh, but, you know, I'm a big believer people should make decisions based on what's right for them in consultation with their doctors. We'll go through your mail next. If you want to get in an email, you can do so. Frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's Frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. See, Alex, you got to mix up the genres of music. You're playing all like the same school. Like the the music I select each day, some of it's adult standards, some of it's from musicals, some of it's rock, some of it's bluegrass, some of it's even hip hop, some of it's uh, you know electronic dance music. You just never know what you're gonna get. You you're playing all the same kind of rock. I'll mix of. it up in the next yeah, hour, but I'll tell up. you, we we don't have much of the ones that you requested for today. I'll give you that. How about yeah. some of the ones from yesterday? Uh, well, we I'll get those two back All again. Right. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Without further ado, it is time uh, to give a platform to those of you that prefer the written word to the spoken word. It is time for letters. Oh, we get letters. We get your letters every day. Mailman, mailman, mail today. Reach right in and pull one out. On the subject of ketchup and mustard burgers, I don't know if they still do it, but McDonald's used to put ketchup and mustard on their value menu burgers. You would get two or three pickle chips, ketchup and mustard. Isn't that interesting? All right. Uh, Linda, on the same subject, ketchup and mustard on cheeseburgers. Hi, Frank. I'm glad that you and your family had a nice Fourth of July. I, too, believe it is definitely a time to celebrate and show respect to our wonderful country. I am a vegetarian, and I have put both ketchup and mustard on my cheeseburgers. It's quite good. Also, as far as fast food restaurants are concerned, I do not know about the others, but Burger King puts ketchup and yellow mustard on their cheeseburgers also. Looks like my wife's on to something. Take care. Great show as always. Linda, happy 4th of July. Carmine's very first. Isn't that nice? Thank you, Linda. This is from Fred. Uh, subject, sauce, ketchup, mustard, and mayo is McDonald's special sauce. Is that confirmed? Because I've heard other things. I'm not sure that's accurate. And please 
don't send something that definitive and that certain unless there's sourcing to it. Because the last thing we want to do is repeat misinformation. And if there's no sourcing, then I become very concerned that it's inaccurate. Uh, This is from um, Gloria, subject Elvis. Hi, Frank. I thought your Debbie Schlussel, probably spelled wrong, movie review of Elvis last week was poor and a misleading one. The film is filled with all sorts of exciting scenes and much truth about Elvis's storied career. Mainly, it shows Elvis's respect and deep understanding of our African-American musical heritage, how it contributed enormously to his career and to the coming of age of rock and roll. The roots of rock and roll are clearly defined here. This movie also tells the story of how the selfish and ignoble Tom Parker, Elvis's manager, helped to destroy Elvis's family and cheat them out of Elvis's monetary earnings. The movie is memorable, not great, but it is moving and wonderful. Your reviewer, Debbie, is boring, ignorant, and annoying. You know, it's funny, my wife's not a fan of Debbie either. She doesn't like those segments. That's why we don't do it every week, just once a month. Uh, Christine writes a couple of things. Hi, Frank. I'm so happy the word is out there, even out west in Nevada. Congratulations on expanding your listenership. No one deserves it more. As many of the callers said, you educate us even as you make us laugh out loud. Love hearing your life stories. Your experience at the DMV was a classic. This is coming from a story writer. You're truly a raconteur. On the topic of oil and natural gas, I'd like to add, I hear many people on wonderful WABC repeat something as if it's fact that is actually a myth. That the U.S. is energy independent. The U.S. currently produces 12 million barrels of oil per day, but it burns 20 million barrels of oil per day. Hence, we're not independent. I do not approve of Biden, but the pipeline everyone talks about is oil coming from tar sands in Canada, not the U.S. Those figures were similar under Trump, by the way. We haven't produced the oil we burn in many decades. Natural gas? Yes, we produce more than we burn. But there's no pipeline to Europe. The gas would have to be liquefied and sent by tanker, making it far more expensive than the gas they've been receiving from Russia via pipeline. Hardly an answer to the economic problems we've created by cutting ourselves off from Russian gas. You could say that again. Likely, our problem with high prices comes from the amount of spending and printing money that both parties have been doing for far too long long. That's it. I'll look forward to hearing you later. Always, Christine. Thank you, Christine. Very thoughtful uh, email. I like that. It's from Roger. Subject, congratulations. Congratulations on your syndication. It seems to me that it's easier for me to write intelligibly than speak So w- w- speak with time constraints. It seems like you were born very inquisitive and caring. You soaked up your education like a sponge, and you care about right and wrong, which are, I think, important ingredients for intelligent public discourse. I hope your program really catches on and grows. I not only have driven all through Nevada, but every other of the continental 48 states, along with Ontario and Quebec. Also, I've been on every interstate in the U.S., as well as many of the secondary roads, too, like a paid tourist hunting down historic places and Food Channel food with the postcards and many photos to prove it. To my surprise, many AM stations can be picked up as far as 650 miles away. In fact, on my way down to New Jersey every night, I can pull in AM 740 out of Toronto to listen to one hour of old radio programs from the 40s and 50s. Uh, thanks for your time, Roger from Massachusetts. Well, that's awfully nice. All right. Um, for anybody else that didn't get uh, their letter in today, you can email me. Frank.M-O-R-A-N-O at W-A-B-C Radio. 
uh, com. Uh, maybe we'll get to you on the next edition of... All right, uh, coming up in just a bit, we're going to take a look at that shooting in Chicago. Very sad, and um, the more we learn about it, the sadder it is. If you want to comment on anything we've covered thus far, you're welcome to do so, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Until next hour, in the words of the great Barry Farber, be sure to go ahead and keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. By now, I am sure you have heard all about uh, what has happened in Illinois, uh, precisely in the Chicago suburb of Highland Park, where six people were killed at a July 4th parade. Uh, The suspect uh, or a person of interest, they're not calling him a suspect, but he clearly is a suspect. The person of interest has been arrested. Uh, I'm not going to mention this person's name. I, in fact, I don't even like to pay attention and give an, any airtime to these mass shootings because my fear is that it will lead to more mass shootings. So I actually talk about these mass shootings as little as possible. But there's one aspect of this mass shooting that I am uh, – there's two aspects, actually, of the mass shooting that I want to bring up here. So this young man killed six people. Uh, Highland Park, Illinois. Here's what's interesting. I read in the Jewish, uh, the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, which is a Jewish uh, news publication, that Highland Park is a highly Jewish suburb of Chicago and a highly Orthodox Jewish suburb of Chicago. So a klezmer band was playing when this shooting interrupted this 4th of July parade in Highland Park. Killed six people, sent dozens more to the hospitals. A congregant and a staff member of a local synagogue were among those who were murdered. That's the word from the synagogue. The mass shooting in Highland Park, which is one of the most heavily Jewish suburbs in the Chicago area, is at least the 300th in the United States this year, which is goes to show you where we are as a country, right? Um, eight hours after the shooting, law enforcement authorities said they had arrested this person, a 21-year-old young man. The authorities said five people had died at the scene. One died at an area hospital. Israel's Ministry of Foreign Affairs told its staff there's information about Jewish casualties. And they said they're in touch with local authorities and local Jewish communities. At least a third of the 30,000 residents in this community are Jewish, according to most estimates, and they include a lot of Israelis. 
So a Chicago area law enforcement source confirmed to the Jewish Telegraphic Agency that Jews were among the casualties, although how many or their condition was not known when this article came out. The source said law enforcement was not yet speculating about a motive. But that's what I'm asking you to speculate about. Do you think this was motivated by anti-Semitism? Because listen to some of these quotes. Um, So on Monday night, North Shore Congregation Israel in a neighboring community announced that a congregant who was also working on the synagogue staff was among the victims. Jackie Sundheim was the Reform Synagogue's events and B'nai Mitzvah coordinator, according to their website. Earlier in the day, synagogue leaders posted a message about the shooting saying, this touches each of us deeply and personally the grief, pain, and fear affect us all. Lynn Sweet, who's the Washington bureau chief for the Chicago Sun-Times, she posted a video on Twitter showing the Maxwell Street Klezmer Band, which is Chicago's preeminent Jewish music group, playing in the parade as bystanders scatter and scream. It's very chilling. I'm not going to play the audio because I find it, I mean, it's almost like, to me, it's almost like watching a snuff film. I I don't want to play it. Sweet uh, subsequently posted a picture showing bloodied bodies lying on the sidewalk. So Jeff Leon is a Jewish lawyer whose twin 14-year-old sons were marching in the parade with the high school football team. He described to this paper here, just scrambling behind cars to shield himself from bullets and said he had passed someone who was bleeding from the head. He speculated that the attack was indeed anti-Semitic in nature. Quote, probably half the people who live in Highland Park are Jewish, and that just can't be a coincidence. What do you think? Do you think this was motivated motivated by anti-Semitism? This fella, um, his father is a business owner in the community, ran for mayor a couple of years ago in Highland Park. So the father is sort of a, a pillar in the community. Well, I, he didn't win the mayor's race, but he's a reputable business guy out there. And this fellow that they arrested, the person of interest, he is 22 years old. He's essentially a local amateur rapper. But here's what's interesting. You remember Eric Adams after the subway shooting with Frank James? He's the mayor of New York City for our new listeners in Nevada. Eric Adams went out and said that we need to start cracking down on what people are putting out there on social media. Now, the stuff that this person was putting out there was just crazy, crazy violent stuff. He posted a video on his YouTube page that included a man with a long gun face down in an apparent pool of blood with cops standing in front of him. Now, if you look at this and then you know what happened in Highland Park, this plays out like a I mean, it looks like he's trying to play out a, a gun fantasy. Uh, so this person whose website is IMDb website identifies him as a rapper, singer, songwriter, actor and director from the Chicago area. The page boasts one of his songs released in 2018 amassed millions of plays so far across online Streaming platforms, they call him a hip-hop phenom. I never heard of him, but whatever. I don't don't know about most hip-hop phenoms. Um, This young man began uploading music when when he was 11, and there's all sorts of terrible things in here. I mean, the 
video that's been posted to his since-deleted YouTube page includes this drawing of someone that looks like they're shot dead by the police. He released a music video in October of last year titled Are You Awake? that included drawings of a man aiming a rifle at a person. Now, the video also showed an image of a newspaper clipping about Lee Harvey Oswald, who, of course, is believed to have killed John F. Kennedy. And another image that shows a drawing with blood spurting from a person's body. The most viewed video on his YouTube channel is a music video for uh, um, a song. I don't want to give the guy any free commercials here that shows him in the classroom. In the video, the shooter is seen reaching into a backpack before the screen goes black. Once the music returns, it's filled with maniacal laughter, fast-paced piano, and music drum beats with this shooter wearing a helmet and bulletproof vest. The video then shows the classroom ransacked with the shooter, the guy we now know is the shooter, smiling. This is crazy. If I, I mean, my question with this kind of stuff is, where are the parents of this young man? I know he's 22 years old. He's technically an adult. Do the parents not look at what he's publishing on the Internet? I could tell you, you know, who knows what kind of father I'm going to be to a young man. But I could tell you, my son will not be posting drawings on social media showing him lying face down in a pool of his own blood shot by the cops. He will not be posting videos, even if they're part of a hip-hop artistry of some sort, that show him with a helmet and a rifle and a bulletproof vest shooting up a school. Where are the parents? Now, the question that I do want to ask, though, uh, in addition, one, um, if you think the motives could have been anti-Semitic here, but the question I do want to ask is, do you agree with Eric Adams that we need to do a better job or the social media companies need to do a better job cracking down on this kind of violence? I got to tell you, my attitude is I am sort of a free speech fundamentalist. I think there should be as little censorship as possible, especially on the Internet. That being said, that is a much tougher position to hold when you see the kind of stuff that this guy was publishing for years, which should have been a warning sign for everybody. And I'm wondering, what should have been done differently? Now that we know what happened, now that we know he killed six people, through the prism of hindsight, what should authorities have done differently? I can tell you what the parents should have done differently. So his father ran for mayor of Highland Park. He lost uh, to the current mayor. And um, he's not responding, you know, to any reporters or anything. When a news station called him, he hung up. So I, I, I can imagine this is a difficult thing for him as well. Um, so give me your thoughts on this. 800-848-9222. The front page of today's New York Post really says it all. Fourth of July terror. And just because this guy's not... An Islamist doesn't mean he's not a terrorist. He absolutely is. Uh, Whatever ideology, whether it's motivated by anti-Semitism or love of XYZ politician or hatred of XYZ politician. um, Apparently, he did post twice about former President Trump. And you can bet that there's going to be a lot of people that try to 
portray this as another crazy Trump supporter kills people. I find that so unfair uh, to uh, supporters of President Trump. Just like it's not Bernie Sanders' fault that the guy that shot up the congressional baseball game was a Sanders supporter. It's not Donald Trump's fault that this guy might have posted something positive about Donald Trump. But that's what you could be expected to hear in the coming days. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Larry in Beth Page. Hello, Larry. Frank, I'm going to lighten the moment just for a second. Wonderful. Good. We like that. With all the misery, very simple. Joey Chestnut. Years ago... Joey was on a as a special guest on a show called I don't know if you, I don't know if you know the show Man versus Food. Are you aware of the show? I, I'm aware of the show. I don't watch the show, but I am aware of it. Okay, years ago, um, Casey Webb does the show now, but before him was Adam Richmond, and a special guest. They never had a special guest before, and it was Joey Chestnut. Frank, they put in front of him an over-five-pound beef burrito, and he took it down in under two minutes, 18 inches. I just went back about an hour ago because it was just on my mind. I went back. I Googled man versus food slash Joey Chestnut. It's all there to be viewed. It is the most amazing feat I've ever seen. This thing was the size of a baby, and in less than two minutes, it disappeared. I'm not surprised. He is a phenomenal eater, and I've interviewed him many times. He's a great guy. I'm thrilled that he won. I got to ask you a question. And and he's there are eating contests around the country. I mean, this is not just. Oh, I know. I know. Dog. I mean, people make a living out of this. Well, I, honestly, and I've interviewed many professional eaters. It's actually very few that are able to make a full-time living out of this. I mean, most of them have other jobs. It's not to say they can't make money, but you're probably looking at fewer than a dozen men and women that could do this full-time. Do you think in the long run uh, a guy like Joey, who's in his 30s now, is in in the long term really damaging his body or does he have a secret to, you know, to taking care of himself and, and being the athlete that he is? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, look, uh, if you look at the eaters that have been doing this for a while, uh, people like uh, Takaro Kobayashi and others, they don't seem any worse for wear. They still look like they're in great shape, and uh, they still seem to be able to perform at uh, at peak performance. So I, I don't know, though. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a physiologist or a doctor. I really couldn't say. I miss I miss Kobayashi because what he was like eighty seven pounds and he's eating like a hundred pounds worth of hot dogs and whatever else. Uh, amazing! He was uh, five five foot eight and uh, he was not quite eighty seven pounds, but he was very thin. I couldn't. It's just amazing. I miss him so much, but it just it's just fascinating. It is. It certainly is. I'm certainly um, I'm hoping we can have George Shea back on the show soon. Maybe he can give us an update as to uh, what Kobayashi's status is. Thank you for the call, Larry. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Tom in the Bronx. Hello, Tom. 
Hello, Frank. Um, what you was talking about, does the social media need to be monitored better? Of course it does, because anybody that wants to create some devious following or something, they hit the kids first, because the kids are vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? The kids go for, you know, easier to be led into things, to go for things like that. So they start with the kids first. So yeah, it needs to be monitored much more. It, sure, it certainly does. Some of that stuff should never even be allowed. That, that should be, you know what I'm saying? It shouldn't be allowed. Well, Period. Yeah, I hear you, Tom. It's just I wonder – thank you for the call. I just wonder how do you strike a balance between cracking down on people that might be inspiring murder or you know, issuing warning signs about committing mass violence but at the same time not stifling political speech that has fallen out of favor – on issues like the COVID vaccine, for instance. Uh, we go from one Tom in the Bronx to the other, the original Tom from the Bronx. Hello. Yes, uh, yes, uh, hi, uh, Frank. Yes. I'd like to say that Joey Chestnut, when they eat so many hot dogs, uh, Curtis Lee made a mention of it too. They have to have enzymes. Again, we come back to enzymes in the body. They inject enzymes in the stomach, and which helps them digest the food. Ye- yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, Tom. That's actually it's uh, not true. Curtis made that up. Uh, that and I was with him when he made it up. It's based on nothing. Uh, he made it up. It's it's completely fallacious. He made it up. All right, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. We'll continue with your calls in a moment, and uh, we will delve into um, a couple of other exciting things, which we'll get into in just a bit. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Hey, did you see what the um, what the Peacock Network did? Really, with Peacock, Peacock is a, a streaming network that's owned by NBC. And um, I am, uh, I, I, you know, last weekend, last Sunday, I think it was, I wanted to watch the New York Metropolitan because I'm a fan of the Mets, right? And uh, they've been playing very well. Very pleased they beat Cincinnati yesterday. They are the first team in the NS- in the National League to get 50 victories. Thank you very much. And that's with missing two key pitchers. We could also use a power hitter, but that's beside the point. Another power hitter. Not taking anything away from Pete Alonso. But I 
you know, the Mets are usually on one channel, usually on uh, Sportsnet, right? Sometimes they're on Channel 11. Neither of them are on. I'm thinking, where? I know the Mets are playing. Where are they on? They were on Peacock. Peacock is getting into the baseball business in terms of broadcasting. And pretty standard Met game. That was last weekend. Here's what happened two days ago. Look, the first thing you have to understand is that baseball is having some problems. The fan age for baseball is older than any other major sport. And there there's fewer and fewer fans every year. And baseball is struggling with how to deal with this. And they're trying all sorts of different things. And I have to say, most of the things they're trying, I don't like. But whatever, who am I to stand in the way of progress? I'm not sure if I like what they did on Sunday. I don't think I do, the Peacock Network. On Sunday, the Royals, the Kansas City Royals, played the Detroit Tigers. And they broadcast this game... With no announcers. No announcers. And just the ambient sound from the game. So they aired the game with no announcers saying the the pitch count or offering color commentary. There are two sideline reporters that chime in from time to time. But besides that, it was just the sounds of baseball. So I'm curious... One, if you saw this, what you thought of it, because I didn't hear about it until afterwards. Two, do you think this is something that could develop as a trend in baseball or in sports in general or in other things? I mean, maybe we're going to see start seeing political coverage with no commentary. Wouldn't that be something? I don't think I'd mind that. This is a little bit, if you watch the Royals and the Tigers on uh, Peacock, what you would have heard. I'll tell you why I ended up, and I, I again, I didn't find out about it until afterwards. I would have turned it on just to catch it and see what my initial thoughts were. But in watching the clips online afterwards, um, I came across not liking it because one of the things that I enjoy about baseball, and I love going to games, even like a Little League game or something. I love seeing baseball up close and personal. Uh, love minor league baseball. I love independent league baseball. I have to be honest, my fandom of Major League Baseball has diminished slightly over the years. I still enjoy watching Major League Baseball, but I don't enjoy going to the games as much as I did when I was a a child. But um, when I do put a game on, I usually will put a game on and almost have it be on in the background. You look up, okay, that's the score, that's what the Mets are doing, that's who's batting, Um, and then you hear the announcers as your guide. Now, with this game with no announcers, you really have to watch, you know, 
every pitch. So it's a much more, and maybe this is what they wanted. Maybe that's a way to focus fans on the game. But in my view, it's um, it's a much more, it takes a lot more effort and a lot more energy to watch a game that has no announcers than a guy, you know, a helpful announcer guiding you along with the play-by-play and the commentary. What did you think? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let me say hello to John in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Hi, Frank. I'm going to also talk about Highland Park, but first let me comment about uh, CERN. I don't think you need to worry, and I might add, one of the researchers on that team, I believe, is an eminent Harvard University physicist who was a high school schoolmate of mine, Dr. Ah, Lisa Randall. Well, then we know he's credible. She. She. Is credible, yes. And uh, she would be an excellent guest. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. Uh, ask I'll her reach out. About, about her work on that. That's a good Sorry. idea. As for Highland Park, I, I am absolutely devastated. I, I actually have a, a personal connection. I had an uh, uncle still alive who was a Protestant minister in the, in the town for many years with, with his family. And uh, I, I visited at least twice over there. And, and to see something like that. Is is absolutely senseless. I think the parents should have been aware of what their son was doing, and uh, not only should he have been monitored, he should have been getting psychological counseling. Oh, I, I should hope so. And uh, I, again, I don't like to blame parents for uh, something that their child does, but I have to be honest. Uh, to some extent, I have a hard time not finding the parents a little bit culpable here. How did they know? not know this was going on? Absolutely. I agree with you completely. Yeah. John, thanks for the call. 800-848-9222. Wide open lines. Still waiting for our first phone call from Nevada. Let's check in over at our Nevada telephone line. Nobody. Jeez. Give us a call just so we know that uh, we're airing. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of, Mi- of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I uh, want to welcome not only all of our listeners on uh, 77 WABC in New York, but... Uh, All of our listeners in the Silver State of Nevada, the Nevada Talk Network, KNNR in Reno, KDJJ in Fallon, KELY in Eli, and um, KPVM-TV in Pahrump. Now, we're channel 25.6 on TV in Pahrump. So, whenever, I don't know who watches channel 25.6, but the person that I have always associated with Pahrump is Art Bell. And he was actually the founder and the original owner of a radio station out there, K-N-Y-E. And uh, he was an incredible overnight performer. He was on uh, WABC for a long time, did great. Now, I interviewed Art about eight years ago. He's passed away. But... um. I got to interview Art when he was he had stopped doing Coast to Coast and was bringing back another show similar to Coast to Coast. 
And I asked him essentially to explain his approach to radio and what listeners could expect on a typical show. And really, I mean, there's no reason to play this other than the fact that we're now on in Pahrump. But I'll be honest, I so miss Art Bell's voice that I'll look for any excuse whatsoever to play Art, even if there's only a tangential connection to what we're talking about. This is Art Bell talking about what you'd expect on a typical edition of his program. The show is just, you know, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's all kinds of things. Tonight, we're going to do open lines. And uh, just as an example, generally we have a guest, you know, the first uh, four nights of the week and then the fifth night. I do open lines. And we're going to be talking to people tonight who have made a deal with the devil. A deal with the devil. And and to find out, that's right, uh, to find out um, how they're doing with it. And I'm already getting messages because I, you know, on my Facebook page, my Art Bell Facebook page, I put up the fact that we're going to be doing deal with the devil. And I've got a a message already from Gary in, in the Czech Republic. Get this. He says, I made a deal with the devil, and uh, every spirit of earth and sky for the woman of my dreams. That was five years ago, and we're more in love than ever, but it has cost me everything. So, you know, what do we do? I don't know. We do crazy stuff. We do time travelers. Uh, You're a listener. You know, we do um, all kinds of stuff about space. We do uh, aliens. We do UFOs. We do whatever comes to mind he was a gem and a real original and somebody that uh, that i miss but i asked i asked him about dealing with the world of the paranormal i think it's safe to say you are well within the realm of topics dealing with the paranormal right that's correct um i did politics for years um this is going back a couple of decades um and did it like crazy and i finally got bored to death with it. The first time politics has been interesting in 20 years is now. And that's because, of course, of Mr. Trump. So this is interesting. I asked Art a little bit about um, how he made this transition from mainstream political talk to talking about aliens and time travel and deals with the devil. And I thought the history was certainly very interesting to me. I thought it might be interesting to you as well. Uh, and so you could have done uh, – you're such a great broadcaster. Obviously, nobody does theater of the mind, particularly at night, better than you. You could have done a show about anything. You could have done a show about sports. You could have done a show about business. I, I, I would say that you could probably do a show about hairdressing, and it would still be interesting to listen to you. <laughs> Why did you pick the realm of the paranormal to focus your broadcasting talents? Well, okay. Here's how it began. Uh, doing politics – Station manager, happy, uh, ratings, you know, just mediocre at best. And one night I had on the son of um, John Lear, or I had John Lear on, uh, John number two, Learjet John. And he came on and began talking about aliens. It went berserk, absolutely berserk. We, we had so many calls, we shut down the 911 system uh, in Las Vegas for a period of time, and uh, they got very upset with us, <laughs> and uh, the station got very upset with me. They brought me in, sat me down, said, we may have to fire you. I said, really? Uh, let's not do that just yet. A couple of months went by, <laughs> survey book came in. They were number one, not just a little, but by almost everybody. 
And so then they were in a quandary because they were, you know, a mom and pop 50,000-watt clear channel station, mind you, uh, that was uh, political. And uh, so they didn't know what to do. Uh, the rest of the station was down low in the ratings. I was at the top of the ratings. They didn't really want me, but they couldn't really get rid of me either. So it, we kept. I kept doing it uh, at my own peril. I think I got fired four times. Four times. Wow. And uh, and then immediately rehired. Uh, and then eventually, of course, it really caught on, and then it, that leads to syndication, and that leads to eventually getting purchased by a big company which I was not pleased about, and that eventually led to me retiring. Now, that covers a lot of time, of uh, course. So about those retirements, one of the things I was always curious is Art Bell would retire, he'd come back, he'd retire, he'd come back, and there were all these conspiracy theories. Now, by the way, Art Bell did believe a lot of these conspiracy theories, but more his show, by his own description, was absolute entertainment and he didn't adopt or accept what every guest or what every caller claimed just like i don't um but he offered a forum where they would not be openly ridiculed but i was curious about his retirement and some of the theories that surrounded that retirement this is what he said well there are actually a number of reasons and a number of retirements i retired uh when my son got attacked by one of his uh teachers. That was a horrible incident. My goodness. Um, yes, it, it was. And, um, and so I left to, uh, to care for him. Uh, a lot of people, I guess, don't know that. And, um, and then I finally decided I had enough of corporate radio. And then, like an idiot, I went right back and uh, signed a contract with uh, Sirius XM. And it just didn't work out. Their streaming service was having difficulties, and I said, look, let's do this. Let's uh, allow people to stream for free until you can get it fixed. And they said no. And I said, well, okay, bye. <laughs> I guess I'm like that. And um, I, you know, I bought myself a two-year vacation, you know, a non-compete, and when that was over, I have now now begun to do exactly what I said I would do, and that is to go on and stream for free. And he did, at least for a time, and then he retired after uh, a few months of doing that. But uh, I do miss Art. At a time like these, we could certainly use him. 800-848-9222. Honored to be on in uh, Art's old hometown of Pahrump, Nevada. Let me say hello to Mickey in Manhattan. Hello, Mickey. Mickey. Yes, hello. Sorry about that, uh, Frank. Uh, listening to your comments before about baseball and the demographic, uh, demographics, how they've changed with uh, younger people not paying attention or listening as much as the older generations. Uh, and going back to what Peacock is doing and just playing the games without any, com- any commentary. I think, I think somehow they're trying to uh, uh, reinstate interest in some way by uh, by playing baseball the way it was played 125, 150 years ago when it first commenced. There was no radio, no comments. Well, uh, absolutely. That's what they're trying to do. Listened. Do you think they, they're going they to be successful? The are doing and pay a lot more attention. Right. Well, obviously, that's what they're trying to do. Do you think that's going to be a successful strategy? No, I don't think so because uh, we, at least I'll speak for myself, we are interested in what the commentators say. 
and and what they talk about, and they they add a little uh, you know levity once in a while mm. and talk about personal things. But it is interesting. The concept is interesting because I think back when my father, who who loved baseball, uh, in the uh, teens and the early twenties, when radio just started, um, you know, he didn't get to uh, to see the baseball the way we see it today. Um, and I I have to wonder if how much he enjoyed it with little comments or no comments, uh, watching a game and having to figure out what you are seeing. And watching the umpires, watching the players, and who's keeping track of the outs and telling you. Well, nobody's telling you because nobody's announcing it. It's, it has to be a whole new way. And I think this may be a way of trying to develop interest in some of the younger folks. Well, no, no doubt. I mean, that's certainly the, uh, that's certainly the goal. I, I think the jury's still out as to whether it's going to be effective or not. But, look, I applaud them for trying something different. You know, at least uh, let's see what happens, right? 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. More of your phone calls straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. So here we are, um, the day after Independence Day, um, and we, we're playing we're playing this song from Wicked. I mean, how about a song from 1776 or something, Alex? I don't need. Do we even have? I don't even know if we have that, Frank. Uh, well, I, I mean, is there a master list that I can peruse? Well, for, second of all, Frank. I mean, look, I'm sure 17, 1776 is a fantastic musical. I'm sure it's one of the best musicals ever written. I have never seen it. I don't know any of the songs from it. I couldn't. Possibly There's not a tell way you. to search like for, for shows from for songs from that show, for instance. Well, I mean, there there is. You would have to tell me what songs are from 1776 that you want to hear. See. Okay, very good. Uh, you've never seen 1776. How can that? No, be? sir. Well, I, I'm I'm not really a big musical guy. I mean, uh-huh. I I did musicals in high school, and uh, aren't you a musician? Well, yeah, but I mean, musicals. How this, can a musician not be a musical guy? Well, okay. It depends on the term musical, right? Like you, you could say maybe in terms of an adjective or the noun. You know, you are doing a good job today. I don't wanna I don't wanna pick on you. But it's uh, uh it's I think been Avery, an experience. Avery sees the absurdity with which with, with that I'm hearing. Uh, but that's okay. Would you You're like me to just job. go back to straight rock, Frank, or do you no, want to mix it up? No, 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 no. <laughs> um all right. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Frank is on Staten Island. Hello, Frank. Hey, how are you, Frank? Great. Uh, it's my first time calling. Oh, welcome. Can you hear me? Welcome. Yes, thanks yeah, for calling. I was actually uh, coming from work. I uh, was in a cab, and I'm actually uh, in my car right now outside my house. I was in a cab, and the guy was like, yeah, I'm listening to Frank Morano in Staten Island. He goes, you're Frank, and you're going to Staten Island. Nice. I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> I says, who is this guy? And, and yeah, I started listening, and I'm very entertained. I oh, well, that's say, the I'm, idea. I'm Thank you, fan. Frank. I appreciate that. I'm uh, from South Beach. Where are you from? 
Uh, uh, South Shore. Uh, well, I live in the uh, Eltingville area. Oh, nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah, a lot of good things uh, mentioned tonight. Um, first of all, thanks for mentioning uh, 1776. When you mentioned that musical, uh, I was I wanted to see it when it came out. I never got a chance to see it. However, um, I thought on the heels of Hamilton, it could be a big hit. You know, if they re-released it. Well, they are. They're bringing it back. Better. They're bringing it back with an all-female cast. Oh, that's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw yeah. the um, uh, the revival with Brent Spiner about uh, I guess yeah. about twenty five years ago. It was it was good. It was good. Very good, actually. Um, sure. But uh, I don't know that anybody can, you know, do the William Daniels version. But it's still a show that uh, I think everybody should see. You know, it's it's funny because I, I, I've seen a couple of stinkers. I used to work in the hotel business and now work for the city. But uh, I've seen a couple of shows that were very underrated and they actually were a lot of fun. Did you ever see Saturday Night Fever? Uh, no, my stepmother saw it, though. She liked it. Yeah, it was very good. They yeah, had Verizano Bridge on the stage, and it was yeah, know, that's of course, cool. Great music and great dancing. Um, I just wanted to uh, touch off on something with Chestnut. I heard in an interview he would take um, you know enzymes, you know, like oral enzymes, you know, and that uh, he, yeah, he really do that, and then he would stretch his stomach by eating like heads of lettuce. Well, that is true, so, and actually, I think um, not only lettuce but cabbage. I had not heard um, the uh, that he would take oral enzymes. Uh, certainly possible, um, but I maybe just a rumor. It yeah, well, you know, what, I, I uh, I'm probably overdue for an interview with him, especially after his heroics yesterday. So I am uh, I'm going to reach out to him again and see if uh, we'll confirm it one way or another. I did actually check out that website that you had. It was like Joey Chestnut slash something but you know and it had the big burrito and everything and he makes a good living for himself i seen him in an interview he's got a beautiful home oh absolutely and uh, absolutely you know i mean uh you know i think the only two days where gluttony is acceptable is today and like thanksgiving yeah yeah maybe even you throw the super bowl in there right i oh, can't forget that one right. uh, hey, but, thanks uh, yeah it was uh you know, it's interesting stuff. It definitely is uh, an American tradition. I was looking at the, the female women. She looked like a very beautiful woman. Mickey Sudo, yes, it absolutely. Ab- Sorry? It was it the blonde woman who won? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's the, this is her, I think, seventh victory. Last year, she was wow. off because she was pregnant, and then she had the baby four <laughs> days later. So she didn't get to compete <laughs> last year. So Michelle Lesko won uh, last year, but this year she reclaimed her title. You know, it's funny, as New Yorkers, we miss this stuff. I've actually never been to it. Uh, you know, i just seen the fireworks tonight uh, on my dinner break for only the second time ever. <laughs> you know, I've never been to the Mermaid Parade. You know, there's still so much to do in New York City, and we're New Yorkers. You know, there's even parts of Staten Island we have to go to. Have you been to a Ferry Hawks game? I just want to Absolutely. I was there opening day. I can't wait to go back. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, it was great talking hey, to you, Hey, you too, Frank. I hope, I hope you'll make good. listening a regular habit. Absolutely. And I miss uh, I miss Mr. Bell. He was a great influence on everyone. No I doubt about ghost it. Ghost to ghost as well as coast to coast. <laughs> no yeah, doubt about it. Hey, Frank, thank yeah, you for the call. I want to try and squeeze in. I want to try and squeeze in some other folks before we run out of time here. Anthony's in Westchester. How you doing, Frank? I'm great. How are you? Happy belated Independence Day. Uh, likewise to you. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, before I get to my question, I wanted to ask you a question. 
about some more sound bites from Young Carmine moving forward? That was great. Yeah, you know he is becoming increasingly vocal, so I will have to uh, I will have to start recording him. You know, honestly, when he's um, when he's crying. A lot of my focus is getting him to stop crying, so I don't yeah. always ha- have the wits about me to grab my uh, tape recorder. But you're right; sometimes he just likes to talk for talking's sake. And uh, and you're right; I should grab uh, some audio of that. That's great. Okay, I've, I've told you before. I'm in uh, the trivia question. I'm going to give you a little presidential tie-in for the July trivia. Question. Great. Here we go. Okay, three presidents died on July 4th. One president was born on July 4th. Can you name any of them? Yeah. Uh, so Jefferson and Adams uh, both died July 4th, 1826. Calvin Coolidge was born on July 4th. The other one that died on July 4th, this is going to be a guess on my part, but I think it was James Madison. James Monroe. James Monroe. See, I well, knew it was a James Monroe. But you were great, friend. Were Thanks, great. Adam. I, I, excuse me. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate that. See, uh, John Adams was on my brain. I was saying Adam. All right. Um, coming up, by the way, we're going to give away $1,000, hopefully, in a half hour. It'll help to know your trivia. Believe me. Until then, your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I'll tell you what. I don't want to sound like a broken record. I don't want to sound like I'm repeating some of the things that I was saying on Thursday. But unfortunately, the circumstances have dragged me to a situation where I am forced to repeat and reiterate some of the things that I said on Thursday. Now, for starters, you got to understand... I love Independence Day. I love everything about it. I love that you don't have to get gifts for people. I love that it's a great party. I love the hot dog eating contest. I love people get together and, um, you know, hang out in backyards and um, and drink too much and watch baseball. And, and it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful celebration of America. I love the parades. I love everything about it. I love that it's during the summer. It's great. It's great. However, I think it's gotten... A little out of hand with these fireworks. Now, if you want to talk about a professional fireworks display, like what Macy's does, although I heard this year, I didn't watch any of it, but I heard this year, I did see a little bit as I was driving in, looked fine, but I heard this year was pretty lackluster. Renault, Captain Renault, who works in our video department, he was saying how usually you could see them much farther uptown than you could. Uh, this year, that wasn't the case, and we heard uh, with Pete who called in. He essentially gave it a very lukewarm review as well. But I think that's great. Um, co- fireworks like they have in Coney Island, fireworks like they have in uh, near the Ferry Hawks, 
in Staten Island, that's great. Uh, Atlantic City, great. I have developed... Annoyance is not the word. Frustration is not the word. I have developed an intolerance for anybody that's shooting off these super loud fireworks in residential neighborhoods. Now, it's funny. You know, I was at multiple barbecues on um, on Monday. And my friends were speculating, and Saturday, and uh, Sunday, too, both Sunday and Monday. And my friends and family were speculating about which night was going to be worse in our neighborhood. Was it going to be Sunday um, or was it going to be Monday? And my friend Rich, for instance, he was of the opinion that Sunday night was going to be the bad night because everyone's off from work the next day. They're hanging out late at night. They're drinking. They're hanging out. They're firing off these fireworks. So he said, I'm telling you, yesterday was the worst of it. We're not going to have anything bad today. Boy, oh boy, do I wish I would have made a bet with him. So I got four hours of sleep yesterday. Four hours of sleep. And I'm not complaining. I'm honored to be able to do this for a living. I love this. Love this lifestyle. Love everything about it. But in order to um, do this show for you on a daily basis, four hours a day, and um, try and make it kind of interesting Ideally, I would like to be two things, right? If I can't be two things, I want to be one thing of the two. Here are the two things that I try to be. Well-rested and prepared, right? And if I'm not one, I want to be the other, okay? So if I'm not prepared, I want to be well-rested. If I'm not well-rested, I want to be prepared. Ideally, I try to be both every day. So I get home, and I'd been out at my mom's all day, at Frank Fontaino's all day, was at the Hoffman the day before, and, um, and, and worked yesterday as well. So I only got four hours of sleep. So I got home around 8.30 or so. I said, all right, I have a choice here. Am I going to prepare for the show, or am I going to try and get some sleep? So I said, let me get an hour of sleep. Set my alarm for 9.45, and then I'll come in. And I felt like I was, and I hate to use this this impolite, imprecise metaphor. I felt like I was in Fallujah, okay? The constant barrage of explosions everywhere around my house. Forget about getting a wink of sleep. I got no sleep, none. Um, th- my poor cat, who's been through enough as it is, he's hiding under a couch. He's terrified. These pets are terrified. And as my wife and I are driving home from one of the parties we were at, we see these people on a neighboring block ha- firing off these fireworks right in the middle of the street. So we have to actually drive around them. They're sitting there right in the middle of the street. We have to... Make it so that we're driving now on the opposite side of the street in the direction traffic is coming. And I have to tell you, uh, I'm all for these professional fireworks displays, but these fireworks are annoying. They make a mess. I'm going to drive home in an hour, 
and you're going to see these wrappers and exploded shells all over parts of the middle of the street, people's front yard, on their car, in their backyard. And it's also um, very inconsiderate to people that need to sleep. When I left, my wife's usually asleep by 9.30 or so. How my son was able to sleep, I'll never figure that out. My wife, uh, she turned up the noise machine for him so that the noise machine, the ambient noise, was drowning out the mortar shells and explosions and the M-80s that seemed to surround us because uh, we were under attack, it felt like. I don't think the people in Donetsk and, and, and Ukraine are dealing with the kind of mortar fire that we were dealing with in my my residence. But I don't think I'm alone on this. Uh, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. And I'm reading this article in yesterday's New York Post. This is before Independence Day even happens. Independence Day was Monday. This article is, is from the day before. A Florida man's hand was blown off by fireworks. Early Saturday morning, Broward County, the guy's hand blown clear off. Now, I'm like, I get that fireworks are fun to look at. And I guess that some people just like to, you know, see things explode. I get that. It's fine. Is the amount of fun that you have in shooting off these fireworks, is it worth losing your hand over? Uh, Rudy Giuliani He said that when he was mayor, he would visit Bellevue Hospital and he would see all the children that would come in there with injuries from fireworks. And the Bellevue doctors told him it was the most dangerous day of the year. And uh, I got to tell you, I see very little redeeming value to regular, ordinary people firing off these fireworks. Here's what I don't want to do, though. Uh, Even though fireworks are illegal, at least in New York, I know there's different rules in Pennsylvania, you know, different rules in Jersey, different rules wherever. Pennsylvania, I think you go into some liquor stores, they'll actually sell you sarin gas. They'll sell you weapons of mass destruction to to shoot off for fun. But um, I don't think it's appropriate to call 911. And that's something that I know some people have done. In New York, we have 311, but I, I... you don't think it, especially unless someone's dealing with a serious injury or something, or there's just uh, something on fire, I don't think you should be using 911. And you could bet a lot of these people are going to be shooting off fireworks today, too. I don't think people should be using 911 just to simply report the use of fireworks. Because by doing that, you're tying up a phone line for somebody that could be in a very serious emergency. And so while fireworks might be. Annoying, irritating, dangerous, messy, inconvenient, making it difficult for people like me to sleep, making it uncomfortable for pets like our cat Melchizedek. It's not the kind of emergency that merits calling 911. So that's my two cents. 800-848-9222. Comments as you see fit. Uh, That's 1-800-848-9222. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll do the thousand dollar minute where we'll give you an opportunity to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds and uh, by the way we're going to give you some some cool revolutionary war questions some cool presidential trivia in fact most of the questions that you are going to get at least in the early part of the quiz they're also questions that appear on the citizenship test so 
if you're if you know enough to pass a citizenship test, as so many Americans do on uh, in the run up to Fourth of July when they become citizens, then you might be in a good position. So stay tuned for that. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 one two three four five six seven open lines. Let me begin with Ellen in Philadelphia. Hello, Ellen. Hello. Uh, you, you've got a really good show. I, you know, in Pennsylvania here, you know, everybody stops. Thank goodness, at ten o'clock when they're done blowing stuff up, you know, it, it's nice. I get it. I understand. It's just it's annoying, you know, because I wake up at five thirty, but you know, I listen to your show all night long. Toast. I take a lot of cat naps because you, you know. It's a fun show, and you know that's why people tune in. You know, it's a great station. But, well, you know, it's, thank it's, you, Ellen. It's, well, I wouldn't say it, but I mean it. But it's just—it's irritating. Have a little consideration for other people. This is dumb. You know, I like stuff too. You know, it's just—you know—it's pretty. I like watching fireworks and all that silly stuff. But you know, just. You know, keep the kids away from the fireworks. That's ridiculous. You know, losing a hand, good grief. That's dumb. But it happens. It Uh, does indeed, Ellen. Uh, Ellen, thank you for the call, and thanks for your nice words. I appreciate it. All right, bye now. And honored to get a call from the birthplace of American independence, Philadelphia. By the way, uh, the... Declaration of Independence may have been adopted and voted upon in Philadelphia, but you do know what the first capital of the United States was, don't you? New York. 800-848-9222. Mary Beth is on Long Island. Hello, Mary Beth. Good morning. I feel badly for you because it was horrible out here, but I didn't have to, you know, work. Well, I mean, I think think we've managed to sound semi-coherent for the last three hours and 15 minutes. Hopefully, hopefully we can keep that up for another 42 minutes or so. Well, you've been great. But, you know, I got to tell you, Frank, it's funny. It's not funny. It's actually disgusting. When you're going out to buy food in the days, you know, leading up to this holiday, you know, they have a shortage of like certain kinds of pasta in my neighborhood. It's like pasta. They have a shortage of that. But there's no shortage of this garbage where are they buying this in New York? It's illegal. And and why can that get through you you know, know, the, the supply chain? <laughs> That's a great question. Why are fireworks the one thing which seem to be immune from the supply chain crisis? Exactly. Yeah, people can't get baby formula, but they can somehow get uh, they can get M80s. That's a, that's a great observation. I'm embarrassed I didn't think of that myself. That's very true. 800-848-9222. Keith. Is in Manhattan. Hello, Keith. Hey, Frank. Great to talk to you again. Um, I have a, a question about gambling, but first, I, I wanted to, to mention that um, uh, you may remember I do a lot of cat rescue in uh, Hamilton Heights, Washington Heights. Sure. And, uh, firsthand, I you know every Fourth of July I experience, and of course, the outdoor cats are just terrified. But you know, all these you know people they're you know wearing crosses and. You know, but what about the elderly people and the sick people in those buildings? And they're blowing off these huge bombs at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. I mean, don't they 
think at all about their neighbors. But I have a question about gambling. Most of my buddies have left the city. And so, uh, and I can't get out of the city that often because of my work. Is there any, without getting you in trouble, is there any way to find a safe poker game in Manhattan or in this city without getting you in trouble? Or is that just something? You know, uh, well, there there are a bunch. I mean, look, I um I'm hesitant to um, endorse know, even privately any illegal gambling operation. But um, if um, you know, if if um, you know, I, I think the best thing you could do with stuff like that is is word is word of mouth, right? I mean, I, I have a friend not in Manhattan, but in another New York borough that has a uh, a weekly a weekly poker game that uh that they have a lot of fun with right so i i think if you if you kind of in your social networks and in your social circles start telling people that you're interested in getting in a poker game i think one of them will refer you to one they're very common or um if um if nobody does then i i suspect you will have no shortage of people that are able to uh start their own poker game yeah, Craigslist or something like that you wouldn't go to, right? Well, I don't know. I think Craigslist, I, I, again, I'm hesitant to uh, give advice yeah, on this, but I, I think you should be okay with finding a Craigslist uh, uh, poker game. Okay. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. That, that being said, I did have a friend that was murdered by someone he met on Craigslist, so maybe I'll take that back. Maybe maybe stay, stay away from uh, that. Maybe use Craigslist for apartments. All right. Um... Cancel culture is coming for one of the most iconic songs of all time. We knew this day would come, Elginon. All right, uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. You want to comment on anything we're talking about, you can give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This song is a 4th of July staple. This is the 1812 Overture by Tchaikovsky. It has been a staple of 4th of July festivities in the United States for a long time. Ear-splitting rounds of cannon fire, triumphal spirit. There's just something about this that becomes synonymous with fireworks shows and parties and the 4th of July. But this year, many ensembles who are concerned about the Overture's history as a celebration of the Russian military 
because Tchaikovsky wrote this to commemorate the rout of Napoleon's army in Russia in 1812, they are now reconsidering the work because of the war in Ukraine. Some groups have decided to skip it, arguing that its bellicose themes would be offensive during wartime. Others eager to show solidarity with Ukraine. Are you flipping kidding me? Are you crazy? You think playing this song, which has been played for 100 years in this country, 200 years, is offensive to the people in Ukraine? Do you think if you've lost your home or, God forbid, a loved one in this war in Ukraine, you care what kind of music the Boston Pops is playing on July 4th? Give me a break. Let's get nuts. You think it's it, 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 it's showing solidarity with Ukraine to stop playing a beautiful piece of art which has been a part of uh, American musical performances for two centuries? Who are these people? Now, brave Russian artists have long been the backbone of opposition to Russia's autocrats for centuries. The West should not be canceling them. Banning Tchaikovsky is not the way to win a war. Uh, in We've seen all sorts of philharmonic orchestras say they're not playing this due to the invasion in Ukraine. This is absolutely absurd. Now, Tchaikovsky, if you know your history, he was seen by his nationalist rivals in the 19th century as a westernizer. Um, this follows all sorts of other cultural bands dealing with music and sports that will do nothing to help the Ukrainian people. By the way, uh, it, finally, the West is reporting on these gains that Russia is making in eastern Ukraine. The bottom line is there's going to have to be a diplomatic solution to this. Um, this war in Ukraine. And the sooner all sides recognize that, instead of uh, sticking out our chests and saying, well, we're not going to meet with our Russian counterparts, the sooner we recognize reality, the better off we're all going to be. And the better off the Ukrainians are going to be. But to go forward with skipping Tchaikovsky's 1812 overture because you think it's offensive during wartime. It's just idiotic. This is crazy. The government that was in power in 1812, that was four governments ago, five governments ago. It was all, it happened, it commemorates a battle that took place during czarist Russia, not even communist Russia. Um, so for the first time since 1978, the Cleveland Orchestra is omitting the work from its 4th of July concerts. And uh, this is happening all over the place. I think this is just so sad. And I'm just amazed when somebody says this. I don't know if it's the conductor or the music director or who. who When someone says, hey, you know what? Because of what's happening with Ukraine, we're not going to play Tchaikovsky this year. We've played it for the last 50 years. We're not going to play it this year. I'm just imagining how that idea goes over. Do the other musicians or whoever's in charge of this decision-making process, do they then say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. The Ukrainians will really appreciate that. I mean, it's just so dumb. Um, 
Hey, this is not dumb. There's this group of people in Oakland that are taking it upon themselves to be pothole vigilantes. And I came across this. My wife sent this to me. And they have a website in everything. Um, PotholeVigilantes.com. These are in Oakland, California. Uh, Oakland apparently has some of the worst streets in America. So this group of people are going all over town on their own, at their own expense, filling in the potholes. I got to tell you, I love this. You know, there's been some criticism of vigilante groups, and I get it. But if more vigilantes were to take the trouble to fill out, to fill in potholes, I think they'd have a much better reputation. This is a 60-second documentary on these pothole vigilantes. I believe this is from Vice News. It was sent to me on Facebook. And if you want to um, go join my Facebook page, you can do so at uh, facebook.com slash Fan. Uh, but uh, I thought this was interesting. Now, it's kind of cool. The One of the vigilantes they talk to has his voice disguised because I guess they're not really supposed to be doing this. They, these are a little bit of information. This is a little bit of information on the pothole vigilantes of Oakland, California. We don't really know if it's legal. We don't have permits. We're out there in the middle of the night. Even though Oakland should be doing it themselves, they're not. So we're doing it. We are the Powell Vigilantes. We're in our 20s, and we fill potholes in the dark of night. The streets of Oakland are crumbling away. There's a million potholes, so we don't plan where we're going to go because we're going to find a pothole no matter what. The cost to fill a pothole depends on how big it is, but the bag's around $20, and it takes 10 to 15 minutes to fix a problem. Oakland has budget of $100 million and a three-year plan to fix the streets. If they gave us a million-dollar contract in one to two months, we'd fix all the problems. We stay anonymous because the problem is bigger than ourselves. This is not just about filling problems. This is about fixing the community. The community has all been very supportive. Fix something when you see something broken. It's really that easy. So I say good for them. Maybe it's not strictly legal. I say good for them. Dan's in Rigo Park. Hello, Dan. Thanks, Frank. Now, this cultural barbarism uh, shown uh, against Tchaikovsky has a long history in this country. Going back to World War I, German culture was destroyed. And just recently, we had American fries instead of French fries. We have freedom fries. Yeah, freedom fries. The lunacy knows has no end. It has a long history... And it's, it's, it's disgusting. Agreed. Uh, agreed, Dan. I actually recently um, shared a cartoon which showed all the idiotic things that we've done um, in our history along these lines. Uh, locking up uh, loyal Americans who were of Japanese, Italian, or German descent during World War II. Renaming sauerkraut as liberty lettuce during World War One. Um, and this, I mean, there's a long hit. Freedom fries is another great example. And this is as ridiculous. It's just to me beyond the pale. Barry's in Queens. Hello, Barry. Yeah, Frank, you want to talk about something uh, that's ridiculous? Let's look at the National Hockey League 
and the United States Tennis Association. Why was the All England Tennis Club able to ban Russian players? But here in the United States, oh, no, we can't do that. Tell me about that, Frank. Well, I, I think the, the, the National Hockey League didn't ban the Russian players. No, they didn't. They, they were, are you kidding me? If they banned Russian players, the NHL would have crumbled. Right, but the, but the, why should they ban Russian players? Why should they? In the face of a genocide? Are you kidding me? Well, why I know, but Barry, 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 if you have a situation where uh, let's acknowledge that Russia is not exactly— Wait, wait, Barry, Barry, hang on, Barry, Barry, what are you Barry, talking about, Barry, right? hang on, Barry, listen to me. Women Barry, and the elderly. Barry, I'm going to put you on hold so that I can I can respond. Oh, you hung up. I didn't hang up on him. You you will vouch. I didn't hang up on him. I'll just this is the last time I'll say this because I find this so exhausting. This whole conversation. Um, if you're going to acknowledge that Russia is not exactly a hallmark of Western Jeffersonian democracy, which I will, and you recognize that. Putin and the autocrats around him do their own thing, irrespective of what individual Russian citizens prefer. Then how does banning individual Russian citizens do anything to change the outcome? Of course it doesn't. So if there's a genocide, that genocide is being perpetrated by Vladimir Putin, not by a Russian hockey player. I mean, don't you see how crazy that is? Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the crazy one. You know, um, in my drinking days, well, I actually, I'm still a drinker, but... Uh, I was going to say. <laughs> when I was going out more, if um, you insist that you're drunk enough to drive home and everyone else in the bar says you're not, chances are you should call a cab. So maybe I'm the one that's seeing the, the situation through... Different glasses than the rest of the world. I have no idea. All right. 800-848-9222. Hey, by the way, if you want to win some money, we're going to play the $1,000 minute next. You can be the seventh caller right now to 1-800-848-9222. And uh, if you can get 10 trivia questions right within 60 seconds, we're going to give you $1,000. Simple as that. A lot of uh, historical trivia questions, a lot of independence-themed trivia questions, a lot of fun stuff related to that, stuff that you might find on the citizenship test. So go ahead and be the seventh caller now to 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, all right. Without further ado, it is time for us to give one person an opportunity to win some money. It's time for the other side of midnight presents. It's the thousand dollar minute. Answer ten questions correctly in one minute, and you could win one thousand dollars. Here's your host, Frank Moreno. 
Thank you, Chris Libertini. Appreciate it. Let us meet Jim in Newtown, Connecticut. Hello, Jim. Hey, Frank. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, playing the game. Have you heard oh, this no segment before, Jim? Uh, yes, I have. Okay, great. So um, I'm going to ask you 10 simple questions. Uh, the timer will begin after I ask you the first one. And if you get a question right, we're just going to run through them and move on to the next one so that we can go through all 10, okay? Okay. All right. What continent is the United States of America on? North American. How long is the term of a U.S. president? Four years. How many U.S. senators are there? Fifty. I'm sorry, 100. 100. Uh, How many states were there originally? Thirteen. Where does the world-famous Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest take place every July 4th? Coney Island. What day did both Thomas Jefferson and John Adams die? July 4th. Who was the president of the Second Continental Congress? Oh, God. He's known for his signature. Oh, John Hancock. Thank you. Okay. Who is the only person to pitch a perfect game in the World Series? From the Yankees. What is his name? Oh, God. Uh, Don Larson. That's right. And you got it in, uh, in under, in under 60 seconds. All right. So you got eight questions correct, um, which I think entitles him to a hundred dollars, right? Alex, what's the, yeah, uh, I, I think that's yeah, right. I think that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So under the John Katsimatidis rule, Jim, uh, you are, you are the proud owner of a hundred dollars. Congratulations. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well done. Well done, Jim. Hang on. Uh, give your information to Avery, and we'll get you uh, we'll get you your money sooner rather than later. All right, so that's good. See, I'm glad we got to give some money away. Uh, this is a first not... for in a really long time. That's right. That's right. See, that's the key: is you can't get nervous, and you just gotta take the questions as they come. That is uh, certainly good news. All right, so Avery, grab Jim's information if you would. By the way, uh, John Katzenmatidis will be co-hosting with Bernard McGurk. On the Bernie and Sid show on uh, WABC. I am uh, hoping to try my hand at winning some money this coming weekend because this coming weekend, I'm not going to be able to make the trip to Nevada. uh, Nevada has, of course, some of the greatest casinos in the world, but I will be returning this weekend for the first time in, in seven and a half months, essentially. I will be returning to. Atlantic City, New Jersey, which I am very excited about, I must say. I have not been since December 30th. That is the longest stretch of time that I will have not gone to Atlantic City since I was uh, since I was 19. So this is uh, certainly a cause to to celebrate. So I'm bringing my my wife and my son down there for the first time, and. Basically, I think they're going to turn into bed early and, you know, he's going to go to bed early, maybe 730 or so. And my wife maybe will watch a movie. And then I'm going to meet. I have this whole cadre of Atlantic City people that um, that basically most of which my wife finds annoying. So she said, you know, I'm going to go to bed early with Carmine. You go ahead, meet all your crazy Atlantic City people Stay out till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Whatever you got to do, go gamble and drink and smoke cigars. I don't care. 
And then the next day, we're going to take him on a leisurely, hopefully we get nice weather, a leisurely boardwalk stroll, uh, see all the the sights on the boardwalk, and then maybe uh, check out the beach as well. But I'm really excited about that. I'm excited uh, to be back there, excited to take, um, you know, our, our son for the first time, and certainly excited to reconnect with a lot of old friends. And then I think Saturday we're staying in uh, Brigantine with my step-cousin, Scott. So that'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Alex, did you tell me you're going to be down there in, at the Jersey Shore this uh, this coming weekend? Yeah, I will. It's uh, Every year we have this like uh, family get-together called oh, Birthday we, Weekend yeah. where we just celebrate everyone's uh, birthday throughout the year. All right, so maybe I'll see you down there. I think the, uh, the potential for a meeting is... Uh, is possible. Really? We'll see. We'll, well see. Uh, hey, that's what it's all about. Possibly. I don't know if I'll be there Friday night, but who knows? Who knows indeed. Well, I mean, you don't have to work. Why wouldn't you be there? Well, uh already have dinner plans with the girlfriend here. Uh, so, well, you're yeah. not going to bring her? No. No, no. Uh not not this time around. But uh next time there's a family get together, she'll be going. Well, how come she didn't make the cut this time around? Uh well, she had initially uh Thought she was going to go and then found out that she had already made plans to go with her family back to Cape Cod for the weekend. So oh, Cape Cod. Yeah. All right. Cape Cod. Did she invite you to Cape Cod? Uh, not this weekend, but I'm definitely going to go up at some point this year. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, it sounds like uh, could be trouble in paradise with all these people going away. And, uh, not oh, having, please, no. There's nothing, not there's nothing any, wrong with this relationship, that's anyone. for sure. Well, yeah. nothing wrong. There's no, I haven't yet to observe a relationship. Where there's nothing wrong. Well, you're, so, I say so far, point. Frank. So I far. mean, okay. you know. I don't blame you not for wanting to out all your relationship problems <laughs> on me. So far, we've seen this relationship result in two injuries to you. No, 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 no. That, no. Were that was a different one. Oh, that was a different girl. Jeez. My yeah. goodness. And, and in fact, get around. Uh, well, yeah, my current girlfriend does know about that one, and she's laughed so hard ab- about it several, several times. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. You may, hey, you may meet her at the barbecue, though. I, oh, are you coming to that? Yeah. You have not told, RSVP'd. Well, I told you yesterday on the air. Isn't that technically count as an RSVP? Well, you said you would RSVP. Oh. But you did not well, indicate Well, I will give my formal RSVP. RSVP. No, this can be it. If you're okay, yeah, no, this coming. is my formal RSVP. Wow, this is exciting. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, 800-848-9222. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame coming up in just a few minutes. And uh, if you want to stay in touch with me, you can email me. Frank.M-O-R-A-N-O at WABCRadio.com. Or you could find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. We'll do 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Our thanks to Stevie G and the Pretenders for this terrific uh, theme song, uh, which uh, is available on uh, on iTunes. Uh, I think it would be great if this hit, this song just became the biggest hit biggest hit in the country. Um, it's a great song, and we're grateful for uh, Stevie G composing it for us. Coming up in just two minutes, we're going to bring you 15 seconds of fame, so you could start queuing up now. That's where you get to sound off on any subject you want for 15 seconds. You could tell a joke. You can uh, promote uh, something. You could uh, give your opinion about something. Whatever the case may be, you could ask a question. As long as it's 15 seconds or less, you can go ahead and queue up right now. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. So I will tell you, so Sunday, I slept later than usual because um, I was up all Saturday night watching Ozark and drinking bourbon. So we essentially, I want to say we rushed out of the house, but almost, you know, I had breakfast, my wife and I had breakfast, showered, left the house to go to our friends. Now, because we were kind of rushing, I didn't take a baseball cap with me. Usually when it's hot out uh, or when it's you know summer like this, I'll wear a baseball cap so that at least my face doesn't get too sunburned. So then I come in here yesterday and uh, Alex Barnard remarks, wow, you got some sun, but he's almost saying it like as if he's never seen anybody sunburned before. It was a very it was a very interesting reaction. So that was yesterday. Then then um today I was much more diligent. Not only did I or Monday technically, I was much more diligent. Not only did I wear plenty of sunscreen, but I had my sunglasses and my baseball cap on the entire day. And so um and I was outdoors a good portion of the day, but I was wearing this hat the whole day shading myself, trying to stay in the shade. And then I come uh, to the radio station tonight and I'm getting some coffee. I'm getting uh, the I'm getting the lowdown from Captain Renault in our video department on the fireworks and how he found them lacking over at Macy's. And he said, wow, you really got some sun. But it was the same look. It's, the two of them are acting like they've never seen somebody that has a red face before. Now, I don't think it's that red, but clearly i uh, that's what I get for not looking in the mirror because both Alex and Captain Renault said the same thing. But here's my question for you, Alex, before we get to the uh, 15 seconds of fame. Is do I look the same as yesterday or more red than yesterday? You, you look less red. Less red. But Good. I will say, Frank, I mean, it was quite a shock only because – you are about as pale as Oreo filling, I would say. So to see you as red as, uh, you know, Larry the Lobster from SpongeBob <laughs> or, or even uh, Sid Rosenberg uh, was was quite a shock. I, I, I don't think I was quite that bad, but uh, but so be it. You know what it is? I'm not it's not that I'm as white as Oreo filling. I don't have the nice olive complexion that my my father does. It was one aspect of his uh, genealogy that I uh, or genetics that I never inherited, but I'm totally nocturnal. I'm like a vampire. I am only out at night. When that I, is fair. I, I leave here, and the sun is down. I come here, the sun is down. I, I mean, I don't really get out when there's sun, really. 
So, I mean, you got to cut me some slack there. All right. 800-848-9222. It is time for... Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Mark in New Haven. Good morning, Frank. Russell and the baby are good? Great. Yeah, so so um, I was listening to Joe Piscopo, I think, after Memorial Day weekend. And he played Frank Sinatra's song, What F America to Me, where he says, America, where a guy can speak his mind. And the culture seems to have lost that. Damien in Brooklyn. Yeah, Wiz Curtis, Lewa with his patrols, man. You know, the crime is real high out there. You know what? I'm going to have to call. Remember when they used to have U.S. National Guard patrols in Herald Square? Where's the National Guard as well? Mike in New Jersey. Morning, Frank. Frank, no phone callers from Nevada. Perhaps they've been abducted by aliens. Hmm. John in the Bronx. Does anybody know the, the race of the Highland Park shooter? He was of Italian descent. Uh, okay, thank you. 800-848-9222. John is in New Jersey. Hey, what's the gay guy's favorite pickup line at the bar? I'm not Can participating. Can I push your stool in? Oh, my. Rick in New Jersey. Good morning. You were talking about wearing a hat. My dad said you should always have a hat on. You got to keep the woodpeckers off. Rick, your dad was a wise man. Thank you. That about slams the lid on things for today. If you want to stay in touch, you can find me on Twitter at Frank Moreno. That's Frank M-O-R-E-N-O. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast the Other Side of Midnight, or if you just want to hear the interviews that we do, search Frank Morano, interviews, highlights, and more. I'll be back tomorrow. I think Don McLean is scheduled to be on the show tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. Hopefully that comes to fruition. Um, this is The Other Side of Midnight. Frank Morano, good day.